0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: All of the newspapers this morning, and many of them have it on their front page, the time that's left to save the Titanic explorers before they run out of oxygen. The mail this morning says 24 hours to save them. Uh, Underwater drone has joined planes and ships in this massive search, um, and they're saying that their breathable air is running out quite fast. Now, there are banging and knocking sounds being picked up um, from the seabed just to three, maybe 300 miles south of um, Newfoundland at the site of the Titanic disaster. Praying for a miracle is the front of the mirror today. Irish diver urges desperate family of missing tourists to remain positive. Uh, he's been through it before and he's telling them, uh, I've got through it. I was down there for many, many hours, and there's always hope. So that's what he's telling the families, the Irish driver, Rory Golden. Frantic search for Titan submarine uh, before air runs out at 10 a.m. tomorrow is the story from this morning's Independent. you got to, you got to wonder as to how they are feeling in such a... It's like being inside in a van, I believe, you know, in the dark when you think of it. Um, if any one person were to panic... How would that affect everybody else? The fact that they'd have perhaps no light, food, no bathroom facilities. Um, You know, the size of the actual submersible itself. There are many, many different things that they need to battle while down there. But where there's air... And oxygen. There's hope. Uh, missing diver has family in Cork city. Says the Star this morning. This is the renowned French diver who's on board Paul Henri Nagalo. He's one of the five people on board. The missing sub has family in Cork. Apparently, two adult children living in the city, and one of his grandchildren is being taught at a national school there here in Cork. And our thoughts are with them. In fact, um, Paul Henry. Paul Henry, I should say, the 77-year-old, gave a talk at UCC in 2019. Oxygen to run out this morning. Uh, there, tomorrow is the front page in this morning's Star. So they all give it an awful lot of detail because everybody is, like, really standing by, hoping and waiting for good news. And surely, if you hear of banging noises um, from the seabed, that's got to be good in some way, shape, or form. Something's going on down there. Is it? Is it someone? Is it those in the... in the the submersible trying to send out uh, some kind of an audio alert, a warning. This is where we are. So the search last night faces a race against the clock in the mission to save the five uh, Titanic tourists aboard. Uh, So if there's an update throughout the course of the morning and it's good news, wouldn't that just be a wonderful, wonderful thing? So, you know, as I say... um, where there's oxygen, there's hope. Papers this morning uh, talk of uh, one of the most evil men that you'll ever come across. His name is Ian Horgan. He's been sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. This man has spent an awful lot of his adult life in jail. He uh, killed Rachel uh, eight years ago. Uh, he's back in court again for this hammer horror, which I'll come back to in a few minutes' time uh, with uh, Barry Roach. But uh, he the, they're saying this morning, It's actually reading from Ralph Regal in the Independent this morning he says that Horgan has spent almost 17 of his 39 years on the planet in prison. He was convicted of the manslaughter and rape of the Cork beautician Rachel Kiley, in 2010 in Ballincollig. He was subsequently jailed again for eight years for an armed robbery on a rural Cork post office in September 2005. And he was back in court again yesterday because he um, he attacked a young man and his mother in their home with a claw hammer. Uh, and then he took a video of the blood covered pair and posted it on social media. Um, with uh, the music of "Lovely Day" by Bill Withers playing in the background, he texted his uh, his uh, he texted some girl then to tell him what he did. Uh, so there's a quite lengthy court report on that, which I will come back to in a few minutes' time. But many of the red tops talk about the killer rapist Horgan back in jail again, and rightly so. This time for the violent claw hammer attack. Uh, Dave Dave Fanning has apologised, and he's come out and he's held his hand up and he says, "I missed the mark, I got it wrong, and I'm sorry." Uh, they call it in this morning, son. The Christy Slurs, Dave Fanning says, I'm sorry for Christy Slurs. He apologised for comments he made regarding uh, the uh, singer Christy Dignam who died at the back end of last week. Uh, he says, um, because they, the, those criticisms of Christy Dignam was that he'd blown his career and the band's future uh, because of drug use and also um, seemed to be inclined to cast doubts on um, something or other to do with drugs being connected with them. Um, Uh, Christie's fact that he was abused as a child. So he came out and said nah way off the mark there, serious apology sorry for the poor taste. It also makes the mirror this morning. Uh, Talking about musicians uh, Taylor Swift has confirmed a couple of Dublin gigs and don't you know tickets aren't even gone on sale yet but yet hotels in Dublin have been gouging again Um, and and, and it's rightly put in this morning's mail this morning where they're saying that they're creating bad blood because many venues now have hiked their rates by hundreds of euro for the summer gigs of 2024. And rates have just shot up overnight, apparently. That's what they do. Um, you know, it's a despicable thing. Some say it's, it's, it's capitalism. It's the commercial market. But if you look at Ivey Gardens, if you were to book a room in the Ivey Gardens on the 29th of June this year, it would cost you €329. Euro. If you were to book the same room on the 29th of June when Taylor Swift plays Dublin, you wouldn't be paying €329. Euro, you'd be paying €999. Euro. So that's just one of the examples for you I have more don't worry about that uh, the upcoming budget well Fine Gael wants it or at least Rio Varadkar wants it to be a people's budget and people who work and pay tax uh, give them a, a lot more um, you know leeway and uh, extra money in their pocket but the central bank is saying hold on a second Hold on a second, what we might actually need is higher taxes and not a giveaway budget. So, nobody seems to be able to make up their mind on that one. Uh, Papers also talk in detail of a lady that we spoke to on the air in the recent past, and that is Gabriella Lake and her youngest daughter. Uh, That's a story now that makes the papers because a file has been sent to the DPP after she made allegations of criminal damage to her belongings following an eviction. And she told us all of this story on the air. Self and her daughter were illegally evicted from their rented home in Skibbereen. Uh, she was put out of the property without any warning. She couldn't go back in. She couldn't get her car keys. She found her Fiat car burnt out and her minivan missing. She made a complaint to the local guardee down west. The guards investigated and now a file has been sent to the DPP. So that makes the papers also. I know we spoke at, over the last few days with regards to the rising problems, with regards to property crime in the city. Uh, that is also a story that makes this morning's papers in the echo. And also, I see this morning, uh, interestingly, uh, that we spoke recently of Spanish, or, or indeed of call centres on Leaside. I, I can assure you this would never happen in a call centre on Lee side, but it did in Spain, where the staff in the call centre were were forced to work in the office alongside the dead body of their colleague. Apparently they asked a supervisor, what are we to do now? And the answer was keep working. Uh, they fielded calls from customers of an ec- electricity supplier. While their dead colleague uh, was next to them, it's awful, isn't it? The world that we live in these days. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 I want to go straight to the phone lines this morning to Dr. Simon Boxall. Uh, he is a lecturer of an ocean, ocean, oceanography uh, at the University of Southampton, um, and he is very much across this this um, very, very, very alarming story that's happening at the bottom of the Atlantic. And he joins me by phone. Simon, good morning. Thanks for taking the good call. Good morning, um, it's a pleasure. and I. I appreciate that you're in your in, um, you're, you're hot property this morning, you're very much in demand. W- the papers this morning are saying that, you know, by tomorrow morning, oxygen will have depleted. But at le- I was saying, if there's oxygen, there's hope, right?
2: While there's oxygen, there's hope. And we've had this recent news that there appears to be some sort of sound signal. We're not sure if it's knocking or something, which they're investigating out on site at the moment. And that gives us hope that they are still alive and that, possibly, you know, that the, the bottom line is that the, um, um, uh, the submarine hasn't collapsed under the pressure. So it gives us some hope, yes. Yeah.
1: I was trying to say a little while ago that it could well be a distress signal of some form from those on the sub.
2: That's correct. Now, they don't know for certain. There's a lot of noises in the ocean. So one's got to be careful about being over-optimistic. But it has meant they have refocused some of the searching now into the area from where the sound's coming from. It's very difficult to narrow it down to a pinpoint. It's not like using GPS or something, um, but it does mean to say that A, it's giving hope that they're still alive, that they haven't run out of oxygen yet, that the um, submersible is still intact, and B, it helps focus the search to a, a much smaller area. So. It's a step forward, but there's a long way to go. Um, we were literally looking at, you know, 24, 30 hours before they run out of oxygen.
1: Well, wh- why does it seem so basic, listening out for sounds? Why aren't they picking up sonar pins or the equivalent of a black box or some kind of um, uh, audio, radio messages sent from the sub,
2: no? Okay. The first thing is that you can't use radio underwater. EM radiation, that radio, radar, all that sort of stuff, is, is absorbed in the first few centimetres of the ocean. So you can't penetrate the ocean with radio signals. So we're reliant on sounds. Now, the sub or the um, submersible is equipped with uh, a pinger, um, but these things go wrong. If the pinger is sort of buried in the sand or something, it won't be able to send the signal out into the water. There's a whole various reasons why they're not picking up the pings. Um, we don't know until they actually find, hopefully find the, submersible so there are many reasons why that's broken down but yes it does come with a pinger and that would enable them to focus in on where the thing is so at the moment they're reliant on i guess a real technology of banging the side of the um, submersible If that is indeed what's happening we've seen it happen in sort of many movies of people trying to be rescued from under the water it's exactly that approach
1: can you tell us a little bit about the submersible, the actual sub itself, like with regards to its size and and uh, yeah, and conditions on board,
2: and what it comes with you're, you're looking at a very basic um piece of kit i mean it's about the size of a small van uh take all the seats out um it's basic inside you know it's just basically a bear um there's nothing inside it's not designed for luxury it's designed to go down for short periods you know five, six, seven hours at a time. People are excited. They're going down to one of the most remote parts of the world to explore the Titanic. They're not really worried about comfort. Of course, that changes when they've been down there now since Sunday. Um, It's going to be uncomfortable. There's no facilities on board. Um, I'm assuming they've got basic things like water. Um, Obviously, the oxygen they carry is there as an emergency supply. They're not expecting to have to use too much oxygen. Um, So that wasn't in the plan. There's a limit to how much you can carry. So, you know, they've got enough oxygen, water and things to last them, certainly oxygen to last them until tomorrow. Um, but it's going to be basic and uncomfortable. And if they have lost power, another possibility is that power systems fail completely. They're being pitch darkness. There's no light down there. The only light they have is the light they generate to view the Titanic and any interior light as well. So the chances are they're sitting in a very cold, dark, and um, quite a scary tube sitting on the bottom of the ocean four kilometers down.
1: They will have to be very brave for all five of them to stay calm. Um, it would be a problem if
2: somebody lost it, right? Absolutely. And, of course, they'll use an awful lot of oxygen if that happens. Um, so, you know, the oxygen supply is assuming normal use. If they're panicking, they're hyperventilating or the things, which, let's face it, who wouldn't in that sort of con- true, condition? true. Um, they're going to burn through the oxygen a lot quicker. So it depends on how well-composed they are, how they deal with the situation. Some of those people on board have got experience of difficult situations. You know, um, some have been down to the South Pole. Uh, one of them has been um, doing a lot of work on submersibles in the past. Um, so, you know, it's they are a relatively experienced set of explorers um, or tourists, depending on what you want to call them. Mm. Um, so, I'm hoping the hope is that they will have enough composure to do what they're doing. And the question we also get is why didn't they start sending this signal earlier? If they're experienced, they'll know full well that it'll be a while until A, the alarm's raised, and B, there's equipment in place, like sonar boys, to detect any sort of noise they generate. So there's no point in starting too early. They're going to use energy up. um, They're going to lose faith. They're going to to calculate roughly how long it's going to be before they're going to get a a rescue team near the surface. And that's when they're going to start, hopefully, banging on the side of the the, um, submersible. So how far down are they? Simon? Um, we don't know. Um, between about three and 4,000 metres, three and a half to 4 kilometres. The pressure at that depth is phenomenal. It's 400 atmospheres. You know, the people say, well, why don't they have some sort of escape hatch or something like that? If you stepped outside at that depth, you'd be crushed and killed within yeah. less than a second. tonnes of pressure. So, you know, it, it? It's, 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 it's tonnes and tonnes of pressure. You know, you're, you're basically, you know, balancing a building on a, on a, on a piece of A4 paper. That's the sort of pressure you're looking at. So, you know, the technology to get down to those depths is unbelievable. And certainly, you know, you, you can only be brought back up again inside that uh, submersible. So the only hope is that we find it and then recover it okay. to is the surface. Is it very,
1: this might sound like a silly question, but is, is it very cold down there inside that:
2: The outside is going to be about three or four degrees Celsius. Um, that's the sort of typical temperature of the deep ocean in that area. The inside, it depends very much on how it's configured. Sometimes they can get very hot. You've got a lot of electronics in there. You've got five people in a small area which are going to generate heat. Um, It's unknown whether they are going to be absolutely freezing cold or whether they're going to be really, really hot. In some ways, if they are cold, they're going to slow their metabolism down, which might actually help conserve oxygen. We will wait and see. Um, I don't know enough about this particular one to know exactly uh, how it's configured.
1: Titan. Okay. So just finally, before I do let you go, who's involved in the search and what's happening right now, do you think?
2: Right now, um, obviously the Canadian and US Coast Guard have been involved from day one. Uh, the mothership itself, um, or the, you know, the support vessel is there, has been there all along, as you'd expect. Uh, the French have turned up with one of their big um, deep sea research vessels, um, the uh, Atalantique. Um, now that's one of the biggest hopes because that carries uh, one of only about half a dozen deep-sea ROVs, remotely operated vehicles, capable of going down to 6,000 meters. So well within range of where they would be. And also has cabling on board for that. There's also a cable layer. Unfortunately, it only has capability but its sort of cameras and things down to about 3,500 meters, but it's still useful. Um, I understand it. One of the U.S. Um, naval ships, which also carries a deep-sea ROV, is due to arrive sometime today. So, you know, I think what people don't realise is that it takes time to mobilise to somewhere in the middle of the ocean. It's not a simple question of you turn up. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking at two days sailing time for the nearest port Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of these sort of uh, ships.
1: Um, And is that an accurate or is it a guesstimate that oxygen will run out at 10 a.m. tomorrow, finally? It's a guesstimate, you don't know, we
2: don't know. It depends on their metabolism, it depends on so many different things um we we have no idea uh, it's a guide and i think you know like most of the stuff uh it's all a bit of an unknown
1: Thank you so much for taking the call, Dr. Simon Boxall, uh, a lecturer at the Oceanography at the University of Southampton. Um, I think we're as up-to-date as we'll ever be following that conversation with Simon, but if there are developments, of course, and we wait for good news, I think everybody does, everybody's been gripped by this story. Did you know uh, that the inventor of the submarine um, tested an early prototype in the North Mon? I know I spoke about this in the past uh, with regards to Philip Holland. Um, who was a world-renowned engineer, uh, John Philip Howard, uh, Holland. um, And way back in the day, I think it was in the 1870s, Holland actually started life out as a young Christian brother in the Mon and then went to America in the 1870s. um, And then brother Dominic Burke got involved in it as well. But Holland was one of those that he actually built the first wooden prototype of the design at the North Mon for the very first a submarine, um, and it, all of this actually then was picked up internationally and I think um, I think the Americans then started to use his designs. It was, a, it was an amazing backstory. Uh, but I guess that's for another day. Text
3: 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Courts Red FM.
1: Ian Horgan is a nasty, evil person and was back in court yesterday and got eight and a half years prison. Of course, Horgan is the man that we know uh, who already spent, as I said, nearly 17 of his 39 years in prison. He was convicted of the manslaughter and the rape of the Cork beauti- beauti- beautician uh, Rachel Kiley back in the year 2000. There was other another case as well, which uh, he was subsequently jailed for another eight years for an armed robbery. But he was in court yesterday for a hammer attack on a man and his mother. The man, 29, his mother, 66. Barry Rhodes, Southern correspondent of the Irish Times, was in court for that one. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? Uh, the backstory to this, uh, if you don't mind, as to why he would come up a croom and do what he did?
4: Uh as you say, Ian Horgan, he's Levine McCroom or was Levine McCroom compared to this. It happened on the 26th of March last year, 2022, and Detective Superintendent Michael Cummins told Cork Circuit Criminal Court that Horgan had caught a bus from McCroom uh, to Cork in the afternoon in questioning. He brought a bag with him. He held a, had a hammer and also a change of clothes and a uh, change of shoes. And he told her he um, traced his movements using CCTV from Western Road up through University College Cork grounds. Uh, up to Witchley Terrace, Witchley Place, and then uh, approaching the home of uh, Mary O'Callaghan, this woman of 66, and her son Hassan Baker at McCarton Villas, he knocked at the door. Uh, Having gone into a derelict shed, apparently. Oh, sorry, to, sorry, to sorry my apologies, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. He went into a derelict shed in waste ground, that's critical as well. Changed his, his gear into the clothes he'd brought with him and set off with his hammer, knocked on the door pushed Mrs. O'Callaghan to the floor when he went in and then waded into uh, Hassan Baker, caught him in an arm lock and started hitting with the hammer uh, and uh, Hassan Baker fell to the ground. He began raining blows with a hammer on top of him, fracturing his skull, his left temple and his left cheekbone and all the time trying to disguise himself by pretending to speak with a Dublin accent and talking about collecting a debt. Uh, Mrs. O'Callaghan, she suffered a fractured wrist trying to save her son and she told in a victim-impact statement, how oh, she continues to experience flashbacks of the incident and she still sees the imprint of what Horgan did to her son on the side of his skull, even though she knows he's, uh, he's lucky to be alive. She said, I felt so helpless. It was like being part of a horror movie, but unfortunately it was real. He kept on pounding Hassan's head with the hammer. At this stage, Hassan was unconscious and I thought he was dead. I managed to get in between them and I shouted that he's dead. After I said that, that Hassan was dead he left I really felt my son Hassan was dead at the place as the place was like a bloodbath the next thing I remember was being in the hospital and doctors explained it to me about the brain surgery that they were going to perform on him we saw footage of it because um, Horgan filmed it God Almighty. and we saw footage of um, both Mrs. Callan and Hassan and Hassan's face it was like something like um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre just stained face oh, wash right. with blood yeah. you know really really horrific was that, what, was that uh, video
1: footage shown in court yesterday
4: it was yeah, yeah okay. he, um, um, the ex Marcel Connor who had sort of gathered some of the stuff as part of the investigation he showed it No, it was very brief clips uh, maybe 20 seconds 30 seconds but I mean there was no It was quite shocking really uh, uh, the, uh, he's, lying, he's there covered in blood he's still conscious at this stage or he's standing up at any rate and his face is just completely from his forehead down mm. to his chin washing blood then the footage of him curled up in the ground unconscious uh, after the attack and Mrs O'Callan there as well uh, so she what, as it says yeah, sorry go ahead yeah. uh, she suffered a broken uh, wrist in the thing as I say Horgan he filmed it and when he left then um, what did he, he do next? he went down to Fitzgerald's Park went back the route he came well, sorry went back to the shed changed back into his uh, other gear uh, he left some of the clothes there and the hammer guard he found that and they found uh, DNA samples on the clothing matching Mrs O'Callaghan's blood and Hassan Baker's blood so that tied the clothing into the assault and they found the hammer um, and then he went down to Fitzgerald's Park and he filmed himself or filmed um, the pond there and he dubbed it with Bill Withers Lovely Day and uh, sent messages to his then girlfriend Clarissa O'Callaghan uh, in who had previously gone out with the Sandbaker and he said he had destroyed him and he won't be acting the hard man ever again so he went back and he sent to, that who, message with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with uh, photographs right, with, with photographs yeah and um, as I say then uh, we heard from Sorry, the victim-impact statements were given by Detective Superintendent Commons, uh, Hassan Baker, and Mary Callan were in court, but they didn't do it for themselves. But Hassan Baker and his victim-impact statements said he'd never even spoken to Horkin prior to that, but the assault had left him. He said, quote, devastated, scared, and in a paranoid state, looking out the window and over my shoulder every single day as he recalls what exactly happened to him. I was knocked to the ground with the impact and the blood flowed massively from my head. I tried to protect my mother while I struggled to defend myself, but I was helpless. The blows of the hammer knocked me out completely. It was a nightmare scene. I then became unconscious. And he said... You know, there've been implications from he's underwent surgery, but um, he suffers some seizures now, or he's had three seizures since it happened. He also suffers migraines, and his speech has been majorly affected, as he now speaks with a stammer. I worry about the long-term effects that this will have on me, as my short-term memory has not been the same since. I get very frustrated with this, and my mother's constantly worrying about me, and does not want me to let me out of her sight. So. That was the sort of the impact we heard uh, of of the assault on him. Detective Superintendent Cummins said, uh, "Horgan, when he was arrested, he didn't answer any questions. He maintained his right to silence, but he did confirm to um, Defence Counsel Jim O'Manny that by his guilty plea, he had saved the state a three-week trial because there were." Judge Costum played like 130 witnesses, many of them Garda witnesses. It would have been a very extensive
1: yeah. trial had it yeah. gone to trial, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you could look at the reasons behind it, but all I can see here is that, that, that um, he did what he did because Hassan Baker was um, in a, formerly in a relationship with, uh, with Horgan's then girlfriend.
4: That's the only thing that emerged yesterday by way of explanation for it, yeah. Uh, we heard that organised had a drug addiction at the time. He's a total of 17 previous convictions. And as you mentioned, in addition to the ones for the rape and manslaughter, Richard Coyley in 2000, he also has convictions for robbery, drug dealing, car theft, afraid. Um So he's, uh, as you say, uh, the, this figure is 17 years he spent uh, 39 years in jail Um, Judge Helen Boyle said there were several notable aggravating factors in the case including the premeditated nature of the attack, the fact that he travelled from a room, brought with him a change of clothes, brought with him a hammer, Uh, the actual violence in the attack was extremely severe and the fact then that he filmed it and shared that film online or on social media Um, the prosecution barrister Sullivan said the DPP's view was that the assault was at the higher end of the scale uh, of assaults causing serious harm offences suggesting it merited 10 to 15 years in Judge Boyle said she agreed with the DPP's view on that in terms of the seriousness of the offence she pointed out that Horgan pleaded guilty, he spared the trial sorry he spared the stay at the expense of a trial that would have involved 130 witnesses and of course, obviously, also spared his victims having to testify. And Mrs. O'Callan had made that point in her victim impact statement that she was relieved that he had pleaded guilty. Um, but all that means
1: off. is that it potentially can bounce a possible sentence of 15 years down to eight and out after six.
4: Well, she decided, she said it would be hard to disagree with Mrs. O'Callan's description of the assault as being like a horror movie after seeing the video. Uh, Horgan had written letters of apology and expressed remorse. Uh, Detective Superintendent Cummins was asked about that and he said. Too little, too late, basically. She said the headline sentence should be 12 years, she felt, and then because of the guilty plea, she reduced it down to nine, and then she suspended six months of that, so he's left with eight and a half years to serve, but as you say, it probably be up before that. Uh, he's been in custody since, um, okay. he's been in custody for the time on it. Uh, I'm not quite sure the date. It may have been, uh, I think, July last year, actually.
1: OK, OK. You, you won't comment on this, but he is a very dangerous man, and people are texting already saying that he should be away for life uh, with the history yeah, well, of his Yeah, well, in
4: terms on. of... I was talking to a couple of criminal lawyers last night about this, and um, in terms of court cases that i have covered assaults where people haven't died, where people have survived, I can't think of one that was more violent more yeah. vicious. I mean, I've been I've somewhere. The victim, unfortunately, has that, but this man survived. I can't recall one that was this sustained. My recollection is, and I don't have to hear, but that he was in the house for nine minutes. Now, take out a minute or two filming, but it seems he waited straight in with the hammer a from the minute he arrived. And,
1: but, and videoed it
4: on his phone. It, but take My out God. the minute or two videoing. I mean, there's probably, I would guesstimate, at least five minutes of solid... Hitting the guy with the hammer—frenzy. Yeah, that's a, a lot of. A lot, I mean, you know, the miracle is that uh, Hassan Baker is alive after it because he's he can't defend himself. He's on there and he's getting walloped and walloped and walloped. Yeah, and walloped. cowardly attack for sure. It and is, um, yeah. as I say, you know, anyone saw the footage of the lad's face? Like, I mean, he's just—it's like somebody just painted him with blood. It's just completely awash with it.
1: Okay, um, that's uh, the closure of that court case. Uh, pleading guilty, of course, saved the state an awful lot of time, a lot of witnesses, guarded time and everything, and that makes a difference in sentencing. You know, talking about frenzied attacks, turning to the, another court case that you covered yesterday, is this is the Carrigaline lad who um, got a very bad beating in a frenzied attack by a group of cowards who punched and kicked him over a hundred times. Some of them were underage but some were of criminal age. What, 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 what happened yeah,
3: yesterday?
4: I, I'll go slowly with this one, Neil, because we have two incidents uh, half an hour apart and we have juveniles involved in both and they can't yeah. be named. We have some who are adults who so can't be named. Totally. We got, yeah, Sergeant Leonard O'Sullivan an investigator, and We heard much of the evidence last week. The first incident happened in the, uh, sorry, in the um, community park in Carrigaline on the 18th of December, 2021. And what happened there was, there was a lad there, a group of young fellas, and we had, again, we were shown uh, CCTV footage of this from a distance, but you can see it happening happening quite clearly. Uh, The guy who was attacked, the young guy, I think he's now 20, there was a false report that he had assaulted a younger sister, one of the group. And, you see the group going up to him and a girl actually I think throws one of the first punches she was dealt with separately so I, I, I wasn't there for that but what we heard last week was the group waited in they began kicking him he suffered a fractured ankle, bruising to his face and body he was knocked unconscious and taken to Cork University Hospital by ambulance he's since had a good recovery said surgery and insulin, but he's taken a long time to recover from the psychological effects of the attack uh, he was kicked repeatedly um, no, let me get this. Be clear on this. There is a chap called Jay uh, Condon, yeah, nineteen-year-old, uh, nineteen-year-old lad who is. Uh, he pleaded guilty to the assault, and we heard that he kicked him some twenty times when he was on the ground, even pushing others out of the way so you get a clear uh, space to kick. But at the end, he actually called for it to stop, saying he's effed up. So he. Uh, he's from J- Drake's Point across Crosshaven. He's also in he, Carrigaline on top. Carrigaline on the, top. That's the second incident. That's the second incident. Okay. And then the park one with the the, the the assault of the young lad, he got a two year suspended sentence. There is 19 year old Jordan d c from Ravensdale and Carrigaline. He admitted assault causing harm and engaging in and violent disorder at Carrigaline Park. He punched the victim twice in the face. Uh, and prior to his intervention, the victim was on his feet. He kicked his. in in the head and upper body five or six times. He got a two-year suspended sentence. There's a third chap, 20-year-old Adam McIlwain from Kingswood Water Park in Carrigaline. He was also involved. He's 20. He was involved in the assault in the park. He kicked the guy in the ground once or twice in the head, and he posted footage of the incident online. Uh, He got an 18-month suspended sentence. And then there's another juvenile, whom we can't name, who uh, was involved in the assault, and he got a two-year probation bond yesterday from judge helen boyle so that's the first incident in carrigan Line community park there was two underage was, i
1: believe there was a 16 year old and a 17 year old
4: yeah that's in the, the second, second incident. Yeah. then yeah. fast forward then half an hour to the only car park group of about 25 young fellas there guardia called three women guardia arrived down they tried to arrest a guy who was 15 at the time now 17. He's intoxicated. They're arresting him for his public order, but also for his own safety. They try to get him into the car. The car. They're set upon by the group of young fellas. Uh, there's really disturbing footage of one of the women guards hanging onto the young fellow by the leg and being dragged across the road by another fellow pulling the young fellow away. They got him into the car five times, six times. He escaped. They had him handcuffed. He actually escaped, but he had to come to Torker the following day to get the handcuffs off. So he is a juvenile. He's now 17. He got... A eighteen-month uh, violent, 18 sorry, months probation bond. bond. Then we go to back to Jake Condon, who was involved in it. He's there filming it, shouting "Caroline on top," uh, uh, shouting. There's something else he shouts as well. Let me see. He uh, boys, this show his madness. Caroline on top. Caroline on top. He's and he's filming as the guards are being dragged trying to hang on to the young fellow's like the other young fella's like The young fellow who's dragging the guy away is a chap called Ryan McCarthy. He pleaded guilty to assisting the juvenile escape from guard custody and he got, uh, let me see, he got a 12-month suspended sentence for that and there are the three in that, isn't it? Yeah, three in that and one overlapping in and the earlier one. Yeah. But photo- video footage of that, very disturbing, seeing women guards being treated like that. And like it was a very hostile situation. Uh, to, sorry, just to be fair to uh, Ryan McCarthy, he was the guy dragging the uncle away, but he also did, uh, you could be heard in the video saying, telling the others to stop covering, calling guards rats. Uh, so, so that's something to his credit, as it were. But uh, it was a hostile situation and you wouldn't have anybody doing their job, you know, trying to go into that situation yeah. and trying to be I mean, they are arresting the young fellow for his own benefit, you know, because he was a drunk in a danger to himself. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, okay. Anyway, as I said, most, uh, most four got suspended sentences, and the two juveniles uh, got a probation bans, so they have to re- uh, deal with the probation service for periods of eighteen months and uh, two years, respectively, in their cases. Okay. And all of
1: this started with a completely untrue rumor.
4: Uh, completely untrue that he had attacked, rumor. Uh, that the victim attacked uh, a girl. Uh, yeah. No truth at all. That guy got the, you know, kicked unconscious. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I suppose he's made a good recovery. We were very fortunate. I mean, it could have been far, far worse. You know? Totally. Totally. OK.
1: Much obliged. Complex cases this morning. Thank you for covering both of them, as always. Barry Road, Southern correspondent with the Irish Times. Incidentally, just a, one quick update as well. The Guardian at the Bridewell are continuing Uh, with their appeal to the public to come forward regarding the fatal assault that that resulted in the death of Jason Butler, a man in his 20s who passed away from his uh, injuries following um, uh, that bottle attack that killed him uh, on Friday of last week. Uh, It happened on the Grand Parade Wednesday evening uh, of last week, and they're asking for road users, pedestrians, anybody who might have camera footage or dash cam who might have been in the area of Grand Parade in Dawn Square um, between a quarter past 7 and 8 p.m., uh, to get in touch with Ungarish Shikona, uh, I imagine I don't know whether the man and his daughter who came upon it have been in touch with Ungardi Shikona. Their evidence would be crucial because they witnessed it, and the daughter was very, very, very traumatized and went home and uh, spent the whole entire night vomiting because of what she saw at the scene. Uh, but this, these are the kind of individuals that Gardi would like to speak with on one eight hundred treble six treble one one eight hundred treble six one or any Garda station. And text 0868104106.
3: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818
1: Red FM. Mr. morning I was telling you about a story that made the front of the echo and it was uh, from the organization Parent Line. They were talking about the amount of parents that are living in fear of sons or daughters. It could be physical abuse, it could be emotional abuse, it could be verbal abuse, it could be all of it. Um, uh, You've got to wonder why so many uh, young children uh, I don't know of the exact age, but you are certainly taking between five and 600 calls a month now uh, from parents facing abuse from their children. Now, the um, CEO of ParentLine is Corkwoman Aileen Hickey, and she joins me by phone. Aileen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? It's very, very alarming that you're taking so many calls and a lot of them from parents in a very distressed state. What's going on?
5: Well, we don't really know what's going on. I mean, we only report on what we hear on the phone lines, but what we're hearing on the phone lines is very distressing. Um, so we uh, currently about one in every third call we take relates to children who are being physically violent um, or psychologically violent or emotionally violent or aggressive uh, to their parents. It's the singest, single biggest cause of calls to ParentLine and was right throughout 2022. And um, so, um, now, as I say, I, I, and, you, and you kind of you, you delved into it there, it's not always physical violence. So it's not always necessarily, you know, a 16-year-old young fella, you know, pushing his mother up against the fridge door or anything like that every night of the week. You know, because uh, th- th- this all forms part of what is generally termed as child-to-parent violence, which can actually take in a range of behaviours, you know, anger, aggression, abusive behaviours, uh, coercive control controlling behaviours, verbal abuse and, as I say, and psychological abuse. But, you know, I, I... At its essence, I think, what needs to be remembered is what it does is it leaves a parent in fear of their own child in their own home. Uh, And that's why it is also, I suppose, the hidden side of domestic violence or domestic abuse. Because I think most people think of domestic violence and domestic abuse as being very much in a partner-to-partner relationship. Yes. But actually, domestic violence is actually any violence that takes place in the domestic setting. So it certainly takes uh, child-to-parent violence is certainly a big part That I suppose, for most parents, you know, this is uh, something that they're not generally willing to talk about, uh, particularly to their families or their friends or their neighbours or down at the school gate, because it, you know, it definitely brings.
1: Why is that? Do they feel shame or something?
5: A hundred percent, they do. Yeah. So you know, they feel that you know, even though it's generally not their fault, they feel a sense of shame, uh, and and they surround themselves with with silence because of that. And you know, they they feel a sense of powerlessness. You know, they, they don't know how. This is something that has started happening in their own home, and um, generally, I mean, and this is only what we're reporting on. Generally, it's it's about two thirds are boys, and um, that are that are displaying these type of abusive behaviours, and it's generally directed at the mother. And that's just what we're hearing on the phone. Now Any idea
1: are. as to how young they are, the boys and girls?
5: Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, look, again, you know, we, we would look at our statistics at the end of every month and at the end of every year. Um, and the general age spread is about uh, 12 to about 18. But they can be younger and it can also be adult children in the family home. You know, I mean, I, I, again, if you're going to ask me, you know, what why there has been such a sudden increase well, in comparison in numbers, to
1: figures pre-2022, what yes. is the alarming jump?
5: Well, you know, I mean, we would certainly, I suppose, you know, well, there's a number of reasons. I mean, we would certainly think that uh, lockdown uh, certainly exacerbated, you know, you can put everything at the door of COVID and COVID is over now or, or generally over at this stage in, in terms of lockdowns. Uh, but it certainly exacerbated the situation because I suppose, you know, it pushed people together and it pushed families together. Um, you know, it, so it, it caused, I suppose, a kind of a pressure cooker situation for a lot of um, families and for a lot of, particularly for a lot of teenagers. But also, Post-COVID has been a very, um, very difficult period, particularly for teenagers, in that a lot of teenagers found it very difficult to reintegrate after COVID with their school system, with the educational system, with their friend groups, with social settings. And, uh, you know, we're certainly
1: seeing that report. I can can accept that teenagers might have found that difficult to navigate. I can even accept that teenagers can be Mm -hmm. hormonally cranky and moody and give the verbals. Uh, But you're reporting parents talking about black eyes, broken bones, broken noses, uh, damage to property, smashed windows, smashed televisions. I mean, that's on a different scale.
5: It is, but as I say now, I mean you that that you know that that would be, I suppose, you know that that's only a portion of the of the calls that we get. As I say, some are everything that you've just outplayed there. Some are are, are certainly physical violence, but you know, a lot of parents when they ring us and they're you know when when they ring us they're they're you know they're very uh, emotional and they're very. Um, you know they're, they're 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 seriously concerned and a lot of it is, isn't necessarily physical violence as I say it can be what you've just said there are verbal abuse uh, controlling behaviors emotional abuse um and you know and, and psychological behaviors but you know, ultimately you know it doesn't always have to be physical violence as what, what I'm saying but it can
1: be but it can violence. be it can be the coercive and, be. Be. and the, and the but, emotional as well what what advice I'm, I'm, can you I'm, give a parent that reaches out like that what can you do to help
5: well, I, what, 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 well, first of all, the, the first thing to do is to ask for help. So, I mean, you know, what, what we would say constantly and trying to drive the message home is that, first of all, that it's okay to ask for help. And I suppose, secondly, that the sooner you ask for help, you know, the better you will feel and the more you can, you can change things. So, you know, I mean, I suppose the difficulty for parents is, is, is asking for that help and certainly, again, asking for help within their friend groups or their family groups. Because, again, I suppose what you have to remember is families remember so, you know a behavior that's necessary that's going on now. May you know that in two or three years' time, that might have been forgotten about by the parents because it will have been resolved. But they're concerned that you know their siblings will remember, or mm. their you know their, the their friends on will remember. Yeah. A- absolutely, yeah. So, and most parents are very protective of their children, despite the behaviours. But this must and,
1: and, be and the and end of the line if they're calling, you know, the the likes of your good selves at at, at parent line. But is is it a, is it for instance uh, something that should be given over to Angarda Shikona? Is it is it a social worker? Well, is it Counselling, what?
5: Well, to be honest, a lot of but you know when they do ring us, a lot of them have already been in touch with the guards and uh, and with um, and with uh, and with social workers. So a lot of them have already reached out in other areas by the time they ring us. You know, I suppose the great thing about parent time, first of all, is we're in confidence. Um, so we're entirely anonymous and we're without judgment. Now, we also have uh, a particular program called the Nonviolent Resistance Program that we put in place for parents who are dealing with these situations in their own homes. Now, I, I will say from the outset, we're absolutely inundated with requests for the program. It's a particular program. If anyone wants to know more about it, the easiest thing to do would be to look at the Parentine website or to Google Nonviolent Resistance Program. It's, it's, it's a program that works superbly well and can change the family dynamic and kind of reset family situations as long as the parent works it's, with it because it's, like everything
4: yeah,
5: it's, it's, it's not a magic bean and it's not a magic wand but for parents who want to work with it and um, it's certainly you know it, it's an eight to ten week program that we conduct over the phone an hour a week uh with one of our volunteers with one of our trained volunteers who's specially trained in this area we have plenty of volunteers who are trained yeah, yeah. in the specific program and, and i will say it's The results are absolutely fantastic. But it's alarming that you would be
1: inundated with people wanting to access that programme. That in itself is series.
5: Oh absolutely I and mean, so we have currently we, have, we, we were waiting for the programme the, the, we put 20% more programmes in place for that particular programme uh, last year than we did the previous year but the previous year we put you know, more or less 100% more programmes in place than we had done the year before that so we're continuing to grow the number of volunteers that we have who are trained in that programme and yet we can't keep up
1: I would love to know why. I mean, you talk about COVID being an issue with regards to everybody's life's been turned on their head. But why um, more and more young children would turn um, violent or verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, coercively abusive to their parents who, who love them? Um, is, is it the pressures and the stress that we're putting under, on, on children? I, I don't know.
5: Well, you know, it can it can be for for a number of reasons, and and it's not to say that it wasn't always there. You know, it, it's just maybe we're hearing about it more. I mean, and maybe parents are looking for more help. I mean, and and the one thing I would say to any parent who's listening, who is, um, you know, who who is witnessing these behaviours or who is the victim of these behaviours in their own home, and. Um, you know, is that first of all, you know that, that, that they're generally that they're, they're generally not to blame. and also it's very important to separate the behaviour from the child. You still have your child; it's just right now this child is exhibiting these behaviours.
1: Thank you so much for taking the call, Aileen. I'll give out contact details you. for your organisation, Aileen Hickey with ParentLine. You can get in touch with ParentLine uh, on oh one eight seven double three five hundred oh one eight seven. Double three five hundred. I will also give out their website address for you if you want to check out the uh, different uh, programs and skills or indeed um, different types of uh, uh, programs that they put together that Aileen just mentioned. And the website is www.parentline.ie. Text oh eight six eight one oh four one oh six on that one. And whatever else may be on your mind, we're back after 10.
5: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by
1: clicking on redfm.ie. Now,
3: the Neil Prenderville Show,
1: Red FM. And thank you for your texts. Here's a selection. Uh, today's world we live in. Five billionaires knowingly pay big money to submerge. Something goes wrong. Worldwide news. Multiple countries combine to launch search commendable. Meanwhile, 745 refugees missing off Greece. So that was their choice, too. Stop the world and let me off, says somebody. I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying when you make comparables like that. But in spite of all of that, people are gripped by this story. I'm surprised the Russians haven't yet blamed, haven't been blamed for the Titanic sub, says Richie and Toker. Patty says the water pressure where the missing sub is stranded is 6000 PSI, which is like 35 elephants standing on your shoulder says Paddy. I know what you're saying, man. I know what you're saying. Hi Neil, they shouldn't be down there. Full stop. The Titanic is a graveyard. It is cursed. Uh, morning. Every Even if they reach the sub on time, Air Sea Rescue have no way of retrieving it in time, says John. One of the worries that I was reading about last night is that it's entangled in something. Um, it could be entangled in debris. It could be entangled in rocks. It could be entangled in growth and all sorts of sea plant life and things like that, which means that it would have, in some way, shape, or form, some kind of roving um, sub, rescue sub, would have to have cut cut the submersible out. Do you know that the only time people were rescued from mini sub was in 1973, and it was 150 miles south of Cork. You should check it out, says P. Love to chat with you on that, P, if you have the further details, because I clearly can look at it. It was the Pisces Three was a dramatic underwater rescue forty over forty years ago when two British sailors plunged almost 1,600 feet into an abyss one hundred and fifty miles off Ireland in a deep sea sub and they were trapped in it for three days. They were only twelve minutes of oxygen left when they were finally rescued that 's the story that P is talking about um, If you have further details on it,' always great to talk to listeners on things that interest to them interest them. The capsule uh, is made of carbon fiber and titanium failed to withstand the immense pressure and the material is too weak. It should have been strength of industrial steel. I heard that one of the design team resigned due to safety concerns over the Titan. Well, I don't know anything about that, but thank you for telling us what it's made of. Uh, On the social welfare defrauding, the South African woman who came to Ireland and defrauded the social welfare. Can someone remind me what war in South Africa was this woman fleeing from? Um, I know, I was talking about that yesterday. Uh, Morning, I'm a Garda, so you understand not to read out my name. I heard you speak about the taxi driver beaten over the weekend. The Garda commissioner says there is no overtime to put extra Garda on the streets of Cork at weekends. All Gardaí in the country that are off duty this weekend have been offered three days overtime, three nights overnight expenses and travel expenses for this weekend in Dublin for Pride parades. What a joke. Why can't the Pride uh, parade get on with their lives without having to need to showboat in front of all of us? That are straight. No problem with money to look after them in Dublin. It's a complete joke. And um, I understand what you're saying with regards to the Garda Commissioner. He ruled out when he was in Cork recently, Drew Harris, no overtime, uh, no extra Gardae, wait to turn like everybody else. Uh, but meanwhile, the Garda is suggesting or saying uh, that this weekend, uh, all Gardae in the country that are off duty have been offered three days overtime three nights overnight expenses and travel expenses to go to Dublin Uh, on the evil Ian Horgan uh, he moved in next to us in McCroom he is pure evil and will kill again he used to scare the life out of me there are a number of texts from people who say they have a better idea with regards to what should happen to Ian Horgan but obviously I'm not in a position to read those out uh, many of them are suggesting um, that he is beyond rehabilitation. Um, somebody else says, pity it's not America. Three strikes would mean life. And this would be her third, his third time being incarcerated. On um, the Karagalina attacks, ta- attacks, I see they all got suspended sentences. No wonder it's like the Wild West on our streets. I'm enraged listening to you talking about this. Uh, morning, why were three women gardies sent out when it was men who were needed to arrest these young thugs? Um, I'm sure some would agree with that. Others wouldn't, um, saying that uh, in, in, in terms of gardie and policing or indeed the workplace, all things should be equal. Uh, parents of these individuals from Carrigaline should hang their heads in shame for never correcting them growing up and indulging them so they grow up into the monsters that they are. And one more on that, parents have never corrected their children and they now, the children now, have zero respect for their parents, for other individuals and indeed on Garda Shikona. And the Taylor Swift hotel prices, with regards to you quoting, a hotel price of €999 Euro on the night of a Taylor Swift concert, a fool and their money are easily parted, says John. Well, if I wanted to go to Taylor Swift, and I did it some time back when I was up at Moving Hearts in Dublin, I went up to the gig, drove up, but the car in the car park came out of the gig and drove home. Talk
3: to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106 Cork's Red FM.
1: Big story unfolding in the UK at the moment. Rishi Sunak's got involved in it. Many government ministers have got involved in it. The opposition's got involved in it. Unions have got involved in it. It all has to do with a teacher who scolded a pupil for rejecting a classmate's claim that she was identifying as a cat. Uh, and the teacher now has become the centre of attention in this one um, because that teacher, this would be our equivalent to second year. I think it probably would be probably second year in secondary school, perhaps third year, but certainly secondary school. The teacher has come under fire after telling your pupil she should go to a different school for rejecting a classmate's claim that she identified as a cat. Now, the pupil said uh, she was made to stay after class by the teacher. But what's interesting about this is a classmate recorded everything um, on TikTok. So uh, online, you can hear the audio uh, conversation between one or two of the students and the teacher. It sounded to me like robust debate, the kind of thing you would want to have happening in a school where children are challenging and answering questions and asking questions and saying that they don't agree I think that's what you want. The teacher was having none of it, but it was recorded. Uh, the pupil said she was made to stay after class by the teacher. Uh, and you hear it in the secret recording um, because the teacher said that she was really despicable and very sad. Now, it's a three and a half minute recording and the angry teacher who isn't named said that she was going to report the girl to senior colleagues yeah, and that she needed to um, uh, have a good conversation with regards to her thoughts um she said that people how dare you you have just really upset someone saying things like that you should be in an asylum right now the the girl kind of made an awful lot of sense in what she was saying but the teacher was having none of the girl responded saying i just said if they want to identify as a cow or something then they are genuinely unwell and they're crazy um she says it's just my opinion uh, the teacher then went on to give um, uh, her opi- the teacher's opinion on the world that we live in with regards to the fact that there are lots of genders, including transgender and agender. Um, and she then links the girl's gender-critical attitude to being homophobic. Um, she says, it's not an opinion... If you don't like it, you need to go to a different school. The girl defends herself then by saying she was nothing but respectful. um, But she admits that she felt compelled to ask her classmate, how can you identify as a cat when you are a girl? So it's a very interesting conversation. The teacher um, is uh, very much at the center of this now. And Roy College have been bombarded by thousands of angry social media messages after the recording went viral. Now, the student can be heard arguing uh, with the teacher that gender is determined by biological sex. And the student said, if you have a vagina, you're a girl. If you have a penis, you're a boy. That's it. And it's at that point that the teacher can be heard saying that she is uh, really despicable. You may remember, uh, and this this story is going on and on and on because there are also um, other pupils in secondary schools uh, I don't know anything about their primary system, uh, but they are identifying as the moon. They are identifying as cats, obviously. They are identifying as horses. They are identifying as dinosaurs. And some are coming to school now dressed in cat suits. Um, so it's quite interesting, isn't it? How do we, how do we get to this, um, you know, that you would have... I mean, they're saying um, that the, the, the pupils who identify as cats are meowing... Uh, as opposed to answering uh, a question in a classroom, they will meow as opposed to answering the question. And, and, and I know that this was uh, a rumour and Skibbereen Community College got on to the authorities because there was a claim circulating on WhatsApp uh, some months back and they got in touch with the Gardaí over it. Bogus claims that a student down west was identifying as a cat. And there was a voice note about the Cork School that said there is a girl in junior cert who wants to be identified as a cat and is identifying as a cat, and the parents are supporting her. She looked for a litter tray in the school, and the school have refused it, and the parents are now suing the school. The pupil meowed at a teacher, and the teacher barked back at her like a dog. The teacher has now been suspended. So I mentioned that, actually, because that turned out to be a false and fake rumour, I'm told. But the story coming out of the UK, particularly with regards to the college that I've just mentioned, is true. Uh, because it 's been recorded um and it's i, I mean i I, I, I kind of understand um where the student is coming from on this one because listening to the audio, she makes very interesting points um and it is her point of view indeed she says not just hers but many of the other girls in the classroom and her parents as well. It' be interesting to see where this goes because it was captured and recorded uh, on a on a, what was supposed to be a debate on transgender identity. But a classmate in her classroom is identifying in the class as a cat. Uh, how do we get this far? Uh, how do we get? How do we get here where people would think, okay, um, you could be confusing transgender issues, which have a very valid point, with children wanting to identify as cats or dogs or horses? Isn't that gone to a, an extreme, really? Maybe a step too far. Anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break.
3: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red
1: FM. So text on that and all of the business, text 0868104106. Freedom of expression, but is that a step too far? You can also pick up the phone on 0818104106. I want to go back to our phone lines and chat with Karen O'Donoghue because there's a big event happening in Middleton Family Resource Centre tonight at 7pm. Karen is amongst them because she is already hosting Ukrainians in Ireland and there's well over 80,000 Ukrainians in Ireland since the start of the war. Uh, many of them are living in state-provided accommodation, Others though are living with uh, Irish families. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How and, are you? And good to talk to you again. Um, you you have a, a few different properties where you have facilitated Ukrainian refugees. Am I right?
6: Yes, we do. So we're lucky enough. Um, I'm living Cork. I'm from Cork, and then my relatively new husband uh, was living in Dublin until he moved down. He yep. saw the came to the bright side. <laughs>
7: <laughs> and uh, then we have
6: <laughs> a little cottage in Bunmahan. And, yeah, we're we're glad to say and privileged and grateful to be able to say that we uh, are hosting a number of Ukrainians in okay. all three.
1: OK. Um, where is Bunmahan, incidentally?
6: Bon on the Copper Coast in Waterbridge. It's this side of uh, Tremor. The Tremor Copper and Coast. Coast. It's beautiful a beautiful part.
1: It's between Dungarvan and Tremor. It's a glorious area. So um, tonight there is an appeal for others in the East Cork area and further afield to come along um, if they have accommodation where they could facilitate Ukrainian families. Is that it?
6: Yeah, and it's not even just for people who have a room or a home to offer. It's really for anybody who wants to find out more about Um, the current situation and the reality of the numbers of Ukrainian men, women and children needing somewhere safe to stay. And there's more to come as a result of the ongoing war and the devastation of the dam. Um, So it's to find out, okay, if I have a room or rooms available or indeed an own door property, what are the practical steps that we need to take to be matched with a family? Um, what are the resources available? Um, what happens when it goes right? What happens when it goes wrong? Who else can I connect with? Is there training available? What are the financials involved? But then it's also open to people who may not have a physical space to offer, but who absolutely want to in, get involved as a community. So that may well be supporting a host family um, with offering to give lifts to and from, work, school, whatever it might be. Um, making sure that the integration of Ukrainians into our communities is, um, is a top priority because okay. everybody can do something. Okay. So tonight's event at 7 o'clock is for those people.
1: Okay. Um, can I just maybe drill in a little bit into sure. the different uh, families and dynamics that you have? You have three different locations. You have two men down east along. You have a uh-huh. family in your Cork home. And a family in your husband's Dublin home. So in your Cork home, do they live with you?
6: Yes, they do. So since the 13th of March last year, we have hosted directly in each of those properties about 18 different people with different family sizes. Um, Some of whom have children, as you've just said, and, and others not. And so the needs differ, as you can imagine. And also the situation that they left. So some of our families, and let me be very clear, none of it was easy. None of them wanted to leave. None of them had an easy trip out of Ukraine. All of them have left family behind and all of them have left homes and businesses and schools and favorite teddies and best
1: friends yeah, and I get it. Yeah.
6: gymnastics and all the rest. Yeah. So they all came here then with very, very different needs Um Every single one of them, bar the mom of the the youngest child, are working. Um, All the school-going children are in school. And so we were able to support them with what they needed from day one, um, which was literally a safe space, somewhere to quite literally lay their heads and take a pause and start to process a little bit of what had happened. and yeah,
4: You
1: you said 18, so some have come mm-hmm. and left and some have moved in afterwards, is that it? Exactly. exactly. Why, why would people move?
6: Well, where we live in um, Liz Quinlan, here in, in East Cork, um, as beautiful as it is, it's very rural. And we ourselves know the challenges of living in rural Ireland without, you know, a good public transport system, etc. And so if you don't have a car, you're goosed and not many Ukrainians um, were in a position to come with a car. So as the first families were coming to us, and again, you know, getting their bearings, etc., etc., the the primary objective was to then move them on to somewhere that met their needs, like walking distance to a school for the girls, Lucia Solya. So they would then move into those-owned door or a new host property, um, and then one of our families who is just one of the... Lydia, the mom, is quite literally my absolute hero. She's one of the most incredible women I've ever met in my entire life. Um, They were with us for six months. And, you know, two days after arriving, Neil, they were working at Ballamaloo. They were talking to people about buying a car. The girls were ready to go back into school. Like, an amazing turnaround. Because these these people are solution-orientated. Like, they are resilient as hell.
1: Do a lot of them want to work then, yeah?
6: To my understanding, yes. I mean everybody is different. You have people in every country of the world, some who want to work some who don't want to work, Mm. some who want to contribute some who don't want to contribute. And so Irish and Ukrainian people are the same in that regard. But The Ukrainians that I have had the privilege of meeting and becoming friends with, um, all of them want to work. And they face the same challenges that we do. You know, what do you do about childcare? What is the transport? Really bad Wi-Fi for remote Mm. working opportunities. Mm. It's the same thing. So the, the intent is there and the commitment is there because every single one of them that I know, And all of the ones that we have met through the mass accommodation centres in Tribulgan or Red Barn, for example, like the vast majority are really keen to give back. They want to be part of Irish community and society. Uh, They want to pay their way. And also, you know yourself, they want a purpose. They don't want to be sitting around here. Looking at the devastation of their country, waiting to get okay. that message to yeah. say people have been killed or you, injured. They need yeah, to they're they're always on impacted. alert to
1: that. But would there would there be many in Red Barn, Archibugan, and areas like that that actually are working?
6: I don't know yeah. the exact number. I know for sure there are some. Um, again, one of our local employers here at Cookery School were um, really good at kind of working out who or what vacancies they might have in the garden or housekeeping or okay. the kitchens yeah. or whatnot. And they definitely have people from Ukraine um, living in Tribulgan and Red Barn working there. Because, um, I mean I, I don't know,
1: obviously don't want to know and, you know the identity of the two men that are sure. in your Dublin property, but are they working?
6: So sorry, the lads are in in Bun Yeah, they are. So they're working with a great local man in the area, um, and have been for I don't know the best part of a month now, I would say. Um, they're working, they're doing their best, they're involved in the local football team. One of the guys was the next footballer at home, so he came back and did that straight away. Um, we got them some laptops so that one of the lads whose English would be less um kind of yeah. less what about I trying to say fluent? Um, he's now taking English classes. Yeah, but and
1: here's, the, the, here's two... the criticism that mm-hmm. people will have of that, and I I know I will get contact of it. saying why why are sure. they here if they're too able bodied foot? Bunny plays football. Why aren't they fighting?
6: Yeah, and that is a question that I had to ask myself when we were first approached to to host the the two men. So, initially with Bun Mahon, we had put it out through helping Irish hosts to women and children because that was our priority match but the rural location again just didn't suit people without a car and so then we were asked to um consider the two lads who were in horrific like horrendous situations in a place in carlo that really needs to be called to task sooner rather than later and so i neil have to stop for a second and realize that i was a little bit confused i was a bit judgy myself with that exact question yes and then i stopped and i thought to myself it is absolutely none of my business you know nobody leaves their family nobody leaves their mom and their business and everything that they've worked for um without very good reason and so we did you know a bit of due diligence for want of a better word just to check out who they were was it a good match you know were they going to be reliable and responsible Are they? they were living at home or etc and they Absolutely, are like Igor has done <laughs> more work in the garden and keeping the fra- the place outside okay. freshly painted than yeah. I ever have. Okay. So,
5: like, I'm very okay. glad.
1: Oh no, it's a, a, I think it's a reasonable <laughs> question to ask because people will be thinking it, but you've answered it quite well. Now those those that may wish to host, they will be paid mm-hmm. by the state, won't they?
6: Yes. Yeah, so again, as I'm sure you know, and, and other your your listeners may know, and potential hosts will also know, there has been a woeful lack of support from government to host since day one so um, when we first started this I and my husband Paul and and others that were kind of early early adopters of it um, who were first to recognize that hosting was always going to be an integral part of the government's response to this humanitarian crisis we really wished they would stop looking on us as if we were the second ban on tea and we were welcoming people to Ireland for three weeks of the summer and that we needed to move past this whole "cave near the foyer and aren't we great and we're full of open arms blah 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 and actually recognise that this is a inc- really critical part of the war effort to provide safety and food and all the rest to men, women and children fleeing a war. And so eventually, as a result of some serious advocacy work done by helping Irish hosts and others, um, a payment of four hundred euros was made, a recognition payment, and then that was increased to eight hundred euros. Um, but the reality per is month. that it's per, per month. Yeah, and it's a flat fee for is that hosting... for a certain
1: amount of people or how does that work?
6: Unfortunately, no. So that is a flat figure, whether you're hosting one person or five people, or you know, at one point in our home we had, I think it was thirteen people living when there was coffee 13
1: my god so, he yeah. must have been up in a heap so, so, <laughs> so you provide all of the, all of the food then um, the, the meals no, and whatnot.
6: no not necessarily so again one of the things that, that people coming to tonight's event will, will will find out about is how to manage those conversations how to learn how to share your home Um, Because, you know, we do it, we share our hearts and then we share our home. And then you have to share your fridge and your shower and your washing machine and your car parking space and your Wi-Fi and, you know, all the things that go with a bigger household. And so Helping Irish Hosts have a brilliant resource pack available whereby you sit down and you talk about these things and you reach effectively a house share agreement. Now, Irish people... There's an
1: awful lot of commitment involved involved in that, isn't it? Sharing kitchens and bathrooms and cooking facilities and ovens and fridges and stuff.
6: It, it is, but also a, a very lovely cadence comes into it once you sat down and had the conversation. So it's no more than having people into your home at the get-go. Of course, you want to provide for them and you give them a dinner and you hang out and you fill the fridge to the best of your ability. And then, little by slowly, some hosts will want to have a very separate arrangement with their families. For us, Vitali, who was one of the dads who had escaped with his family from Russian-occupied territory... Yeah. Um, Like Lydia tells me the story of putting on her makeup on the 24th of February and seeing a tank roll past her window, you know, like day one. And he is an awesome cook, like an absolute fiend for the barbecue. And so between him and my husband, Paul, um, they cooked for all of the families. Um, From day one. And so they introduced us to to some really delicious Ukrainian food. They would shop at our Polish shop in Middleton. And then we introduced them to our types of food. And then it just worked itself out. Mm. But it was because we sat down and had, you know, a conversation about it because that's what you need to do to
1: make this work. There's 1,100 Ukrainians living with hosts in Cork and the idea is to get that number up and this evening, that's what that's about. Um, Exactly. uh, And they would be in perhaps offering a room in their home or a self-contained property or a holiday home or a, you know, whatever, a vacant room, vacant property.
6: All, all of the above. I mean, I know in time there is an opportunity for people to avail of the vacant property grant, and we're going to do that ourselves to convert a garage into a self-contained. But you wouldn't, pack.
1: okay? Well, well done. But what, should people be motiva- motivated by the money that's been paid here? Um, it, it's, it's not it wouldn't, even at eight hundred a month. It doesn't strike me as easy money.
6: No, it's not. So le- let me answer this question really honestly. You know, six, nine, twelve months ago. People were motivated by wanting to do the right thing. It was it was a real personal, you know, response to seeing people in desperate need, and that's why there was such an outpouring of pledges from day one. Things have moved on.
1: They, ha- they have they have moved, moved on, unfortunately, but a lot of division has replaced that.
6: It it has, and there and people, Irish people, are challenged by you know other costs of living and their own personal lives. You know, who knows what may have happened in the last six months. So I don't know what's going to motivate people to do it. So long as they do it, and if getting eight hundred euros a month is something that will help their world, you know, would move the dial on on an Irish person's or people living in Ireland's quality of life and take a bit of stress off, and they're willing to put the time and effort into properly welcoming Ukrainians into their home, I can promise you, Neil, and I can promise your listeners. The juice is worth the squeeze. Okay. It just takes a little bit of planning, and okay. it takes a little, a, a lot of commitment, and a fair degree of honesty, and then you just bloody well do it. And uh, if it does work out, if it doesn't work out, there is a plan B. There is always a solution. Helping Irish hosts will step in. Families can be rematched. You know, this is not the end of the world. So, Just on but, things but not, just on things doing not doing working
1: here. out, I mean, that, that works on both sides. For instance, do, uh, is there guard of vetting of host families?
6: Um, do you know, that's a really good question, and one I am not sure of. Um, Surely that's a worry, though,
1: if you have um, particular, a typical example of that would be a woman with her children moving into a home, not knowing who's in the yeah. home. Uh, that yeah. would need a guard no, of but, vetting.
6: Fair point. So, my understanding is, and again, um, we can come back to you with the facts on it, um, and this information will be available tonight in Middleton. Is that if the children are under 16, if the child, um, into the 16, if the child coming into the house is under 16, then yes, the everybody in the house has to be guarded. All oh right, that's so there important. Is, there okay. are safety procedures in, in place. Yeah. Okay,
1: so tonight, 7 pm, Middleton Family Resource Centre, anybody that thinks they could get involved and help uh, should just come along. And, uh, 100% open
6: door people will be made most welcome
1: listen just before I let you go because uh, I know you're very much also involved in uh, uh, grow eat and cook and we spoke about that in the past this is completely off topic <laughs> is there any truth that um, fruit and vegetables uh, are and these are our own homegrown ones and know we import loads and loads but that our homegrown stuff is in short supply your broccolis and your cabbages and your stuff like that because of the weather
5: Well, yes,
6: I mean, the harsh reality is that I know that this issue is making news once again, which is good to bring it to people's attention, but it's not new news. Um, Environmentalists, horticulturists, GIY, you know, we've been saying for a long time now that Ireland is not as food secure as it thinks, and we must not take it for granted. So um, the harsh reality, Neil, is that our horticulturists, uh, the horticulture sector uh, in Ireland is diminishing. I mean, it's in serious decline. So, before it's ever the weather should get involved and the climate challenge that we that we are all really facing, um, the fact is that we are going to become increasingly dependent on food grown in other countries.
1: Well, we are that enough. already for much of it. But I, I'm talking about drought affecting, as yeah. I say, cabbage, cauliflowers, carrots, parsnips, broccoli, sprouts, and things like that.
6: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, do you remember the heat wave of I don't know 2018 was it? And you know, Irish uh, lettuce growers and other vegetable growers were really damaged. Like their pro- the crops were really damaged, and there was still an insistence by the supermarkets that they provide the same amount for the same price, which is less than nothing. Yeah. And um, they couldn't do it, and yet they were the one to to suffer. So, yeah, you know, and uh, what I would say to you and and listeners now, um, and DIY have been saying it since day one, and it's a little bit like our conversation with Ukraine. Everybody can do something. So instead of looking at the headlines and going, oh, my God, and then just talking about it or being passive about it, is take action, like be the change. So I can't influence the war in Ukraine. I can't change the climate crisis. I can't influence what's happening with big farmers and big growers in Ireland or any other country. But I can absolutely make better foods and other lifestyle choices myself at home. Right. So get growing, look at your seasons, support your local producers, get to your farmer's market. Don't sit down, you know, wringing your hands or just, you know, talking hot air about the problem, live in the solution.
1: And start and small, even if it's a couple it's of a tomato plants world. and build up from there.
6: Dude, exactly. Like, you know yourself, once you start something and you see the positive effects that it has and it is And so the taste! Joyful. Oh my God! Oh my God! Like, just I'm telling you, all we need to do is get everybody to eat a homegrown sun-gold tomato <laughs> and, like, DIY's work is done. Yeah. That's it. A, mon- a money
1: maker, is that what they're called? Oh, the
6: money maker, yeah. And, like, harvesting your own spuds. We're a bit late for them now. But like, honestly, everybody listening today, imagine if you could lead the charge where you got the people of Cork to get up and get out, whether it was herbs on their windowsill, it's still perfect, perfect time to grow salads. And there's loads of vegetables if you have the space or the inclination if you could get them from plants now. So like, it's there. The solution yeah. is there. Inspiring. we about the problem, but we need to absolutely live in the solution. All right.
1: Inspiring stuff. Thanks, Karen. Stay in touch. Mind yourself for now. Be well. Karen Donahue tonight, uh, the Middleton Family Resource Centre uh, at 7 p.m. Your thoughts and then a welcome, incidentally, particularly if it's something you would consider or not. And if not, why not? Text 0868 <laughs>
3: Talk to Neil Prenderville now,
1: 818 104 Cork's Red FM. Thanks, to 8104 So I want to get this call in this side of 11. Remy, good morning. Uh, hello. Hello, Neil. Are, are you well? You're here with your wife and two children, and you've been here since 2018 from Poland. You're working as a driver, is that right? Yes, that's correct. And your wife's involved in working in childcare and uh, household duties, cleaning houses in the neighbourhood and what have you. Is that down
8: in the Yawl area? Yes, that's uh, that's actually in the Red Barn. In so Red Barn. that's... Uh, okay. Yes, that's okay. that's in the Red Barn next to the hotel. Okay. And
1: within that hotel, there are many Ukrainian refugees, yeah?
8: Yes. For this moment, this aura, you know, it's like... Um, I think it's like more than 700 of them. In the hotel? Because uh, hotel plus there is uh, houses what belongs to the hotel as well. So... Everywhere when the hotel have the place, they can, um, there okay. is um, okay. refugees over there, yes. And is that an accurate figure, 700? Yes, because it's, it's like, um, all together, it's, it's, it's like, did you imagine there is a 225 children okay. who drive to the school every day.
1: So every day of the 700, 200, and how many? 75 of them are children,
8: Two, 225.
1: 225 children. are children, so they would be uh, collected by by coaches and buses to take them to yes. school, and you, and you see that yes. every morning. Well I'm, well, I'm glad that they are going to school, aren't you?
8: Yes, I'm, I'm also very glad, but I also was, um, me, was applied for the bus to school, and every time when I was applied, the, uh, the application was rejected because they said there is closer school when you can send your kids. But in the end of the day, the same buses, the airing, the bus, airing buses come in and take the Ukraine kids to the same school what my kids is walking. So
1: it's the same school that the bus goes to. You were denied on numerous occasions a yes. bus place, but the refugee yes. children go on buses to the same school, but your children have to walk to it.
2: Yes. How's that, how and does that
1: then, make
8: you feel? Um, you see, it's like um, I was. I was write an email to the bus area after application was rejected. and I was asked if there were any chance to put my kids. I'm not asking for the special bus. I asking for the bus, what's already common. So I asking for the place, and I even pay for the bus, like. You pay for the school bus for to the bus airline, so I can pay, and then they sent me email back when it was says the Department of Education says that's the strictly and only Ukraine okay. family member okay that's and it. and how far is the walk to school oh it's, it's impossible to walk it's more than seven kilometers seven kilometers yes okay. um, and how do your kids get to school um, I have to ask my neighbors. So uh, my neighbors is driving the kids to the school. But then, like, um, um, one neighbor was moved out because she get the council house. So I asked another neighbor. Another neighbor was agreed to drive my kids to school. But now uh, he's saying probably he not will be take the kids to the next year to the school, so I don't know what I'm doing.
1: Okay, I do. so you're having to do it and you see other kids going to the same school in buses that are yes. provided for yes. them. Now, you have a, a bigger issue in the sense that you have been given your notice from a residence that you rent privately.
8: That's, that's, that's correct. I get the notice because it's like a um, hotel from the last year. They're um, they buying a houses for the private landlords. Um, I just need to
1: be absolutely 100% sure that that is accurate. Are, Are they renting properties to take in refugees or are they buying the properties?
8: No, they buying. They 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 not renting from the landlords. They actually buying. They uh they buying for the um, average price. This what I was hard. It's more than two hundred thousand euro per house. Okay, and is that the reason
1: you were given by your landlord as to why you have yes. to go? I don't know. Yes. I don't want to know who the landlord is. Okay, so, understand. Okay, yes. Well, what were you told?
8: Um. I does not told like a strictly like you have to move because the whole uh, the 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 U- Ukraines refugees will be live over there. But it was when the landlord was phoned to me, he says the house will be the house is already sold to the hotel because hotel needs these houses for the refugees.
9: Okay,
1: so you were told that by your landlord. Yes. Okay, uh,
8: that was told. That was told me, that's what he told me. The landlord me, sold
1: and, a number of properties. Um. Yeah,
8: the landlord, is owned of four houses okay. and he sell all of them in the one time. And in these three houses, because one was he's using for himself for like a summer house. Okay. But the other three houses, there are people still living. So me and another two families, they are still in these houses, okay. what was sold and, and wh- the other and then and then sorry and then the other houses what was sold already and the ukraine people are live over there now there was the houses where no one was renting and they belonged to the private people were they using for the for themselves
1: okay uh, would so there, all, there yes. would be would they be summer homes yes okay okay yes. okay so um these, these houses that were bought were they bought by yes. the state, as in the Irish government, or bought by the hotel?
8: This, this, I don't know, everybody are saying, they're saying the hotel by buying the houses. Okay. That's what the other neighbours told me, and this is what I was heard. the but hotel the, is buying.
1: But isn't there also a chance that the state or the county council or the government bought the properties and uh, asked, the, hot- this, and asked yes. the hotel then to put Ukrainian... The problem here is that... You put Ukrainian refugees into the properties, but you have to evict families to
8: do that. Yes. So that's that's true. so. So it's it's like it looks like. And then, to be honest, I don't. I'm I'm really sorry about the war and about the Ukraines because I really do. Okay, it's that's against them, but if someone was create a law, or someone give the permission to remove the families from the house and put the, another family to live over there. How, and long have
1: you, how long So when do you have to be out? Is it November? Because you've been November.
8: Given, November, yes. The 15th, I think. So uh, you have been given the involved. proper
1: notice and everything, yeah?
8: Yes, I gave the proper notice. I got the... I I have the letter from okay. the from the landlord. So, so you move out yes. by
1: mid-November and Ukrainian families move in. Um, you say, and live for free. Well, the benefits the Ukrainians would get here are accommodation job seekers allowance or a state pension waived visa requirements child benefit back to school clothing and footwear allowances free health care free education free disability free carers allowance and rent supplement Uh, each household uh, gets all of that um, and 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 also free bus places for children going to and from so you must feel very um kind of disenfranchised not just your child on a bus place but your family home were you happy there
8: uh, I'm I'm really happy. That's why I um, I came to the island, and I was realized. I was talking even with my friends, and I think I'm. Uh, I was. Um, I'm. I'm the, now. I'm the pure Irish. I only born in the own country, so I find. <laughs> I find, <laughs> I love I was. I was, <laughs> I was found my uh, my peace and calm, and, and and really nice place to live. And since I came to Ireland, I'm I'm working. My kids going to school. I have a little bit problem with my son. My son needs an uh, uh, SNA teacher, so that's why I was uh, want to stay in Yale I understand because he will yeah. be going to the sixth class yeah. next year. I know it's very uh, listen. It's very
1: upsetting yes. to see what's happening yes, to you. It is you,
8: very upsetting. You were but saying
1: but to you were saying to the lads that you found your place on earth there.
8: Yes, yes, because it's 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 true. It's it's very nice. Nice peace and quiet life over there, but it's really—it's uh, like a, i have to tell to my children will we will have to move. Well, it's
1: awfully sad and okay. and, and quite yeah, unfair and that one family would be displaced under circumstances like this. I have to say, will you yes. be able to find somewhere, and will it cost you more in rent?
8: Oh, it's it's definitely it's like um um uh, like I said I never applied for the council house I never was on the council list I never uh, now I I will be have to do this I'm I'm I'm. Uh, I'm waiting for the, a couple of documents from Poland where I, can, where I will be have to go and take to the um, uh, b- housing department and um, renting everywhere. Um, I work in Bali calling, so I'm traveling every day 120 kilometers a both day way. to go to work a day to go to work because I like this job, really, I really do. I feel so, awful so, for you,
1: man. I, I, you know, yeah. I, I feel, I, I'm caught in the middle, really, a lot of the time with, with stories of people fleeing war. But what's happening to you, all I can say is that it's very unfair.
8: It, it is, it, and, and like I said, someone was agreed for this and someone was even, even worse, give the money for this. And, and in the end of the day, like, one of the friends told me, who also live on the Red Barn, he says, "You know what's the funny thing is? In the end, you have to leave for your own money because you pay the taxes, and the hotel get the donations from the government from your taxes."
1: Yeah, you must feel very bitter about it. You really must. You really must.
8: Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so it's it's really sad. And then, like I says, it's in the end, it's about my kids. That's that's what is what the story is. And then, um, and actually, they they like when we, when we live on the red barn and the ukrainians live around us they very peace and calm people that's what i can say yes
3: okay? it's not
8: about they, them. They, you're not criticizing yes, them
1: because you do well, not no, very balanced and fair about it
8: yeah because in the end like in the end they will be have to pay this these poor people will be pay very big political price because people will be listen even this what i'm saying and they will be angry about them but mm-hmm. that's not their fault Someone create the law like this. Like uh, so so it's it's like in the end I don't know what these poor people will be do because what they do when the money will be over and the hotel says, Okay, now you have to start paying.
1: I know. I know, I know. Well, it doesn't seem as, yes. as if they expect that anytime soon. If you say they are hoovering up property at the moment, they must be in it for the long haul. Uh, do stay, do stay in touch, Remy. Um, you're okay. o- you're obviously going to start looking for somewhere now. Good luck with that. Uh,
8: oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mister
1: New. Lovely guy. Thank, thank you, thank very you much. Remy. Mind yourself. Yes. Do stay in touch. I really mean that sincerely. Isn't he the loveliest guy? Hard-working man with his young family. What an awful thing to happen. Text 0868 We'll pick up on that and lots more after 11.
0: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive.
3: The Neil Prenderville Show Red FM
1: I hope to talk to the good people at Photo Wildlife Park before the end of the week it certainly is a place you should visit with the family and how about winning yourself an annual pass we've got two to give away every day and on Friday a VIP private tour of Photo Wildlife Park which is celebrating 40 years This summer there's a big weekend carnival carnival going on down at photo wildlife park this weekend 23rd 24th and 25th right across the weekend and you could be part of it as well and they've got some fabulous prizes uh, right across the weekend and tours and all sorts of stuff like that around the park more on that uh, before Friday but Friday's prize has a VIP tour two-night overnight stay in the four-star Oriole House Hotel, dinner on one night with you and all of the family. That would be two adults and up to three children, plus a picnic to enjoy. So it's a wonderful, wonderful price. But two conservation annual passes every day this week. And uh, how we give them away hasn't changed since yesterday. It's a film and a character from the film. There would be famous talking animals, don't you know? Famous talking animals. So um, this is the... Um, don't call just yet I'm just playing it for the first time. this is the, the piece that I want you to identify so it's the uh, it's the animal and the film right have an a
3: you
4: ram you to your breed your fleece your clan be
8: true Sheep be true Bar am you
1: I' an notion nor the sky above me having an ocean so I'm assuming that um you know my son being 29 and my daughter being 27 that it's a more recent film. I have no idea what it is, but that's the audio clip. So um, that's what you got to guess. And here is the cue to call. So when you hear this other animal uh, from uh, Photo Wildlife Park, that's the cue to pick up the phone and call oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Have a listen. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. It's some kind of a bird. Is it a, a pheasant or an ostrich? Something like that. Anyway, that's a little later on this morning. Uh, for all of the business, text 0868104106 We were talking about eating healthier earlier on, and the battle versus fast food being cheap and good food being expensive. A few examples of that. I've been home since Christmas from abroad. When I left three years ago, a chicken baguette from Donatello's was seven euro twenty. Now it's 11 euro. Don't kid yourself, fast food prices have gone way up. Uh, morning, people are trained into eating fast food and processed food from birth. Just look at the baby food industry. It's absolutely ridiculous. People don't know that babies can eat normal food. It's the food industry of the real problem. Morning, Neil. Kids are overweight because of the cost of food. Families are struggling and they are buying frozen chicken nuggets, frozen this and frozen that on the cheap so that they can feed their children. Uh, Another one here, it doesn't matter how many fast food outlets there are anywhere now, it's not just eating, it's the lack of movement is the problem. Exercise, children and teens nowadays, are dropped and collected from everywhere. And when was the last time you saw kids playing a random game of rounders or similar? It's all set play dates, you see. There's no walking. Um, uh, It's all phones and gaming and iPads. There has never been such a choice of food Yet very few can cook from scratch, and I'm including adults in that. Yeah, you are right. It's the lethargy of the world as well that leads to it. And it's made even worse, compounded if you've got a bad diet. We live close to a fish and chip establishment, and it's just staggering the amount of people who eat there every weekend. Nobody seems to be cooking on the weekends anymore. I don't think people realize how unhealthy it is to be eating this type of food regularly. It should be just an occasional treat don't you think they should be teaching life skills at school, cooking, learning to drive the car, car maintenance, even DIY uh, so says Greg, um, educating people a lot more more going on in schools these days you see in the UK with students going in identifying as cats dogs and horses and dinosaurs Uh, kids being heavy is all down to parents leaving them on computer games rather than telling them to get out and play it's a personal option Uh, to whether you go to the chipper or eat healthy. We as a family of four... Couldn't go every week, even though we're both working. So that's just a few uh, texts with regards to why people are getting more overweight and more unhealthy. The food we're eating and the lack of exercise. Calls on the way. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six.
3: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM.
1: Unsigned text to wonders have wonders have kids actually lost the use of their legs? Go into any shop with a hot counter at lunchtime. I see the same school kids. And teenagers day after day queuing for hot, fatty food five days a week. Kids don't walk anymore, visit any local school at finishing time and all the mummies and daddies are parked illegally all over the place to pick up their kids who clearly have lost the use of their legs. Um, Yeah, I know those hot food counters that you talk about because I see them all of the time and I see all sorts of different coloured uniforms traipsing in to feed from them. Um, I'm assuming that at the same time, there are still families there who prepare school lunches of an evening or maybe first thing in the morning, healthier options. You know, and also you'd save an awful lot of money into the bargain. So text 86 on that one. But I didn't get to this yesterday. I ran out of time, but I wanted to update again with Ray Heffernan. Could you imagine somebody who has um, been uh, trying to get his driving license for many, many years and at the age of 73 says he will never give up. I've spoken to him on a number of occasions in the past. He has failed 21 times but he ain't given up and will go again for the 22nd time and ray joins me by phone ray good morning good morning T- it's been a while since we spoke how have you been keeping pal well first and foremost i love your show thank you thank you and i play your podcast every night without fail oh thank you so much I know you've been listening for many a long day and I'm glad you still are how are things going though with 50 years of driving
9: under your belt and well it's actually 58 years 58 years yeah I I sent I was on a a Dublin radio show and it says 45 years and I sent the radio show to Ralph Regal Fifty eight. Yeah,
1: I see a, I see Ralph Regal talking about you in the in the Independent yesterday. Have you a twenty
9: second test booked? No, I have not, no. Okay. I repujo outside the door and it's taxing and short and he's an NCT. Yeah, of course. Good man. Yeah. yeah. That's the right way to be. And uh I never had an accident in my life. And I won't name any names. But um I know I won't uh, I I'd be cut off if I do. Yeah. Well, it can't get personal. I, I, I do know
1: um, that, you know, you've taken numerous tests and failed them all. Um, and some of the same issues keep coming up. Uh, general road observation and not using your mirrors. Is that right? No. Can I say
9: this to you? Yeah. Ralph okay. Regal came up with me. Yeah. Jonathan O'Brien came up with me. I did. I drove with You him. You actually came up with me yourself, which yeah. I said on the radio. Yeah. And you said that I was a better driver than you. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm not an official tester, nor
1: somebody that gives lessons. But well, I, had, I, say, had no, I had no problem with your driving.
9: Can I say this to you, Nile? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, with 45Xs, I should be dead. And I stated that the tallest building in Ireland was in Cork at the time, and the grass would be that high over me. You undertook
1: one text that you refer, test that you're referring to there, where you got forty-five faults. That's right. Five times more than the required number to fail.
9: Well, when I came back, I drove back from Scotland to do a test on the 5th of fourth, two 2004, and the man never marked anything in my car, and so there was twelve boxes on it, and I got onto the headquarters in Mayo and they put me forward by eight weeks and I got 45 X's that mm. so I wouldn't be able to drive a push pram at the side of the road Now the mind to say drive a vehicle on the road. Nobody said that to you though. Pardon? Nobody
1: said you weren't fit to drive a push fan or push pram. N- nobody, no, but I'm saying that. You're saying that with 45 faults but yet you've never had an accident. Never. Any penalty points? Never, none. Right, okay. Okay.
9: Um, so... Are you wanting provisional licences all through this? I have a provisional licence up to two, 2024, nile. How many provisionals have you had? Oh, I, I, oh, countless, really, like, you know. I mean, like, I drove cars, like, when there was no seatbelts and column chains and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I mean to say, like, you know... Have you uh, always I, set the test in Cork? Yes, yes. Yeah, did you ever think... I that- done it in Black Rock. Yeah. And I done it in Dungalvin. And I've done it in uh Sarsfield Road. Sarsfield Road many, many times. Yeah. And I'll have to say this without mentioning the name, but you got a road tester. Uh, uh, I'm <laughs> not interested in it being personal. I mean, if you're saying that... Okay, ha- yeah, I won't mention the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nowhere. You think they have it in fear? I'm blacklisted in here. You're blacklisted? Yes. Why do you say that? Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist and all that like you know what I mean? But they all can't be wrong, though. They're all different testers. Well, I'm telling you that I'm blacklisted. And if I do my test tomorrow morning, the day after I fail every time, I will never get a full license.
1: What about lessons, though? How many lessons have you had? Lessons? Yeah. And I'm from, driving dr- profi- from driving instructors, just to correct maybe fundamental errors that you keep making.
9: Well, you actually got an instructor for me, right? Yourself. Yeah. And the other instructor, he told the other instructor, which I won't name, that I was an excellent driver. And I said, why did he say that? Was it a guilty conscience? I would like, with all the people that travelled through me down through the years, I would like to, (coughs) for them to phone uh, phone you. And they'll tell you how good a driver I am.
1: Are you too slow a driver, though? Um, No, 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 no. That's what's making you a hazard. No, no, no. No, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering.
9: No, no. I even got two Christmas cards from the Minister of Transport that time and it was rubbing into my nose. It was on the paper. sent you a Christmas card? Yeah, I drove to Dublin to, the, to, uh, to protest outside uh, the Dáil into the house in, in Kildare Street. Yeah,
1: I mean, you, you make a valid point. How could someone who never caused an accident in 50 years of driving, who never got a penalty point for anything be a bad driver?
9: Well, I actually drove to Belfast to go on to Stranair, and then there's 98 miles to Glasgow. And I drove from there then to Loch Lomond and all over Scotland. I drove all over London. I went from fish to London. But you're yeah, never a problem. But you're 73 now. I've been given, I'm 93. Just people drive Not a hundred years of age
1: Yeah Oh I know, I, Well you're right I shouldn't be ageist about it But the point is You're not giving up Do you see the lunatics That are on the roads And the way they drive though <laughs> I see Do I them, what I see them every day And they clearly have licences
9: Do I what I see people And they're like kids Behind the wheel And I said Mother of God I don't see any else sign up in their windows Yeah
1: yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. I do. I know. At the time, uh, we got Darren Milan of Milan School of Motoring to take That's you out. right. You remember that? That was five. Well, years you ago.
9: mentioned his name now, but Darren
1: Milan said. Hang, I have him here on the line now. Let him just jump in, and you can come back in a second. That was five years ago, Darren. Good morning. How are you? Good. Um, what did you make of? Just recap again. Five years back, when you took uh, Ray out.
10: I took Ray on, and I've great time for Ray. Lovely man took him on. Look, I've done a couple of pre-tests with him. He's failed one. He's passed one. Look, Ray also went for uh, an assessment with a specialist recently and passed that assessment, but that was a medical fitness to drive, right? And he's got that, okay. So he's he's ticked he's that packed. box. Look, he went out with a top specialist, Marcel Callahan from Southern Mobility and he basically passed that exam. But look, that's a different exam to the driving test in the sense of that's an exam that someone would be sent to that is a little bit older. And I light.
1: understand that, but he ticked the box and he passed it. He so back, the back, box, back right. to his driving, what, you say you yep. failed him once. Yeah, this was I inc- did, this I theoretically failed two. him. Yeah,
9: yeah, yeah
10: I had 12 grade twos on him once. I had seven on him on an occasion, right? Look, I've never, ever had a grade three fault on right now what's that that's that's an automatic fail a dangerous fault right now I'm going to be honest about it right we won a court case we won a section 33 appeal right I went into court and Ray needs to stick to the points right the judge isn't interested in going back 25 years and 10 tests ago he's only interested in what happened on the last test and on his test on that time Ray was taken out with a blank bliss. there was no L on the L bliss, right I said to the judge Judge Test wasn't properly conducted Because I shouldn't have started In the first place Right Because his L plates Weren't up to the regulation But that was That was Ray's fault It was Ray's fault But like Another thing is Are the the L plates
1: up so long They're faded is it
10: Yes I had a good long think about this And I've already spoken to Ray Right I genuinely Do not believe That there's a conspiracy theory Against Ray Heffernan Right And I'm going to tell you Another thing Ray can correct me on this if he wants to, right? The last driving test that Ray went to was the middle of COVID, unless he's done one recently that I'm unaware of, right? Right. Ray went into the driving test center. The supervisor tested him. Ray Heffernan went into can I, can
1: test I just centre. say Can I just say I don't want any names involved oh, in no, any of no this problem. right? So you're, no what problem. you're saying to me is that the last time he was tested by a supervisor
10: uh, so He's always tested by a supervisor mm. Anyone that fails the test over six times is tested by a supervisor, right? Alright So he went into the test centre and a condition of his driving test at the time of COVID was that he confirmed that he had a negative antigen test the morning of the test Yeah He said he didn't have it. That tester was quite within his rights to turn around to Mr. Heffernan and say, I'm not testing you today because you didn't come by and you'll have to pay and rebook your test. right, fair play. Do you know know what that examiner done? What? He gave him 20 minutes to go home to the chemist to get his antigen test and probably ate into his lunch break.
1: But well, that was a very oh, hello, decent right? thing to do. So nobody with nobody uh, with a vendetta would do something like that. Any of them? Absolutely that, yeah. not. Okay. And look,
10: like, I'm going to be totally straight about it, right? I think back as well, right, about the L plate situation. I went into court, told the judge the L plate wasn't up to standard. <sighs> look, the tester I took him out that day gave him a break on that as well. Yeah. So
1: we see and we see evidence of compassion and help there. Yeah.
10: And look, okay. I'm looking uh, at I'm looking at his sheets. Like, he's not being penalised on coasting gears or anything like that. Like, and I'm going to be honest about it, and I do mean this. Ray, put all this behind you. It's not good for your mental health. Come back to me and take the driving lessons, and let's get your licence. And you know what? The next news story for you will be Ray Hefflin passed his test, because you were very close to last there
9: Ray, can you hear that? Yes, but... Uh I got an awful uh, We need the three points. Like, you know, you just failed automatically. And I got many, many three points. Yeah. And not one tester ever asked me to stop the car and drive him back. Yeah. And they never stopped the car. But what he's saying to you is put all
1: of that behind you. Forget about it. That's water under the bridge. Go back and do a few lessons with Ray, with, sorry, with Darren. Apply again. Listen to what Darren is saying. What, what's, why is he failing, Darren?
10: He's failing, look, I'm looking at his previous sheets, right? Primarily, he's failing on observation moving off, failing to check his blind spots moving off, right? Left he's mirror, also failing r- r- r-
1: the wing mirrors and the car middle mirror.
10: The, no, as in when you move off from a stationary position, you have to check you over your shoulder, over your blind oh, Over your shoulder, yeah, okay. So, like, they're all very minor things, but look, every time I get into the car with Ray, he's, he's full of anger about this, Right. And I want Ray to pass Look, you, you're aware yourself. I had Catherine on with you last year. That lady was on a learner permit since 1994. Yeah. And she came to me for six lessons and passed straight off. She no must have been issues. delighted. She'd failed a lot, she hadn't was, she? She 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 had ten or twelve tests done. Yeah. But like, I'm 17 years operating Ola Wilton, and I've had my ups and downs. And look, like every other job, I don't believe there's a conspiracy theory there. Look, I've had my bannies with driving testers in the past. But, like, I've never actually had to question one of them as to failing my client. Look, I'm going to put it this way to you. My own wife was employed as a driving examiner in 2018. Yeah. And she's gone, no, back to lessons since 2022. She set up her own business, ex-tester.ie. Why would they employ her if they had a vendetta against me or after taking Ryan? like,
1: All I'm trying to determine is to why he keeps failing, and you're giving examples of it that could be corrected. But you also... Are you angry Anchor when you it. get into the cars with them, Ray?
9: No, I'm not, no. OK, OK. I like to stress this, uh, Neil. Yeah. The rules of the road were wrong for 12 years. And the whole country got the rules of the road free of charge through me. Is that right? I actually... There was a very old route of the road in my home for years, the pound sign.
4: Yeah.
9: And I went into Eastern, went to Euro sign, and I photographed the ones I was missing and I sent them on to government. And I never got anything back. Yeah. Ray, and I have a
10: proposition o- for you. Yeah. I have a proposition for
9: you. You come
10: to me, I'll give you as many lessons as you want. You can don- make a donation to Marymount, whatever you can afford. My mother passed in Marymount and Martin got exceptional care of that. Uh, I'm sorry and to hear I, that. And you can make a small donation to Marymount. I won't even charge you. Come to me, do your driving lessons and forget about this, Vendetta. Because do you know what? You're suffering because of this.
9: No one else. Will you do that, Ray? Well, I, I will do anything that, uh, that Darren would tell me, but I would like to stress this, that uh, the test that you got... So done that I was an excellent driver.
1: Can I just go back to the question that I asked you? Will you do what Darren is offering? Will you go do lessons with them, make a donation, whatever you can afford to Marymount? Start looking over your shoulders start using your mirrors, stuff like that, and pass your test. I will, yeah. And leave everything else behind. Half is hootin, Like
10: There's a well, lot then. of people out there that would love, there's a lot of people in Cork at the moment, that, and you'd be an inspiration to a lot of people. Like, I checked the RSA stats recently. There's 850 people on a learner permit for over 20 years.
9: Right.
10: And look, look at Catherine. You remember the Catherine story. Catherine passed the six lessons with me. She was on a learner permit since 1994. But he's, 50, he's
1: 58 years.
10: I think Ray is learning permits only going back to 04, whatever, unless he was in a different country or something, or in England or something previously. No, no, he's in this country no, all the time.
1: Anyway, that's, that's what we know is the case, that he's failed 21 DMT times. Was,
9: uh, yeah, no,
1: okay. yeah, He's failed 21 times, and he's been driving for over 58 years, none of those with a full licence. Maybe the 22nd time will be the lucky one.
10: Have you a test coming up, Ray? No, I haven't, no. Don't no. Book your driving test and them, we'll sit down, but I'm going to tell you something, Ray. I've no interest in going to court so I've no interest in the vendetta and I've no interest in any of that right. you
9: want well, to pass your driving test there's no use su- no use for me taking him to court no just forget about all of that just forget um, about it. you know
1: just that's the past just look at number 22 do the lessons with Darren do the mm. test and hopefully fingers crossed at the age of 73 and a bit you'll have a full licence
10: Ray Manny Manny and I Ray you were on the phone to me upset over comments on Facebook about posts and stuff like that that we we'll put up that's that's a terrible thing. Like a very, like ninety five percent of Cork are actually going. Ray is going to pass this driving there someday. Don't worry like about you those. Can, You'll always get Egypt. Yeah, and me. you have one or two trolls. They're not even on Facebook anymore, Ray. They're all they're not worth the negative energy.
1: Yeah, put it out of your head. Put it out of your head. Concentrate on one thing and get across the line and get that full license. Okay, will you pick up the phone and ring Darren Ray and get it done? I will. Yeah. Okay, my friend, and maybe the next time that we're talking will be with good news. And a full life. Yeah,
9: I fully
10: I believe Ray that this is going to happen. I fully do believe that you're going to get an end plate at some stage. But just, I think, like I, I think we're all waiting for the positive news story at this stage rather than the negative.
1: Yeah, right. he's got to iron out those couple of niggles that are getting him failed though, and you
9: can do that with him. Okay, Perhaps okay. Absolutely. Is there something you wanted to say, Ray, before I let you go? Yeah. I'd be looking forward to listening to the podcast tonight and I'd like to thank you for what you do for the people here and the people abroad. Okay, all right, you're very kind. And I really mean that. I know
1: know you do, I know you do, and I do appreciate it. Look after yourself in the meantime, will you? Okay, I think I've uh, lost the line, but uh, that's okay because we were wrapping up anyway. So the next time that I speak with Ray Heffernan could be after his 22nd test. And hopefully, after uh, many, many decades, it'll be thumbs up, full licence. Text 868 104 back after the break.
3: The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 818 104 Talking about that
1: Caroline uh, attack um, that was in court yesterday. There was a lad got a very, very bad beating. Some fake false rumour went around that he, had, uh, that he had assaulted some girl, which turned out to be a lie in court yesterday four got suspended sentences and two got the probation act what do you expect when our children have had the hell put up uh, sorry what do you expect when our children have had hell put upon them by a so called pandemic wearing masks in school no social interaction for the best part of two years in school now teachers are telling children the world is going to burn and there isn't enough time left to save it Basically, everyone is going to die. A teacher in my son's school is telling 13-year-old children this every single time she has them in class. If you put the weight of the world on young shoulders, you get messed up children. Now our children are going to be taught transgender ideology come September. Let's confuse our children and mess them up even more than they already are. Outrageous what society is doing to our children nowadays. Fair enough. I accept that there's an awful lot of stress and anxiety and worry for people going through the education system and wondering about whether they fit in. and um, They've got all this issue and pressure with the nonsense of social media about fitting in and looking perfect. Uh, and I get what you're saying with regards to climate change and COVID and all those implications for their health and their personalities. But it still is not an excuse for what happened in Carrigaline. That steps over the line. The minute you kick somebody in the head, you lose the argument. Uh, I'm only 18 myself, and I think these lads my age are going around in groups dressed in tracksuits trying to intimidate people. is disgraceful. No respect for the guards in this country. I'm losing hope with my generation day by day, and I'm only 18. And then, with regards to fathers, pardon me, sons and daughters who are attacking physically, coercively, and emotionally and verbally, Their parents, somewhat so that the parents are calling parent line. In the majority of these cases, the fathers are absent with no correction in the home. Another one. I know two teenagers that didn't go back to school after COVID. Futures ruined all for a virus that's no more dangerous than the common cold. So thank you for those texts. There's lots more. Then on uh, children who are identifying as cats or dogs or horses or dinosaurs or the moon. And this is a real live story unfolding in the UK where a teacher freaked out and called a student despicable because the student believes there are two sexes. If you have a vagina, you're female. If you have a penis, you're male. Um, And that somebody identifying as a cat is crazy. And I think that's a reasonable opinion to have. You don't have to agree with it, but somebody should be allowed to say maybe the use of the word crazy is probably a little step too far. But how can a child identify and meow as a cat in school? Have I missed something? Um, Have things moved so fast and I was on the wrong bus? So you can't upset someone who claims that they're an animal, but you can upset someone who refuses to accept that the other's person is delusional. The world is seriously fecked up, says Pat. Somebody else says, people were locked up years ago in mental health institutions for far less. Um, and then a lot of people find it funny. Is Andrew Lloyd Webber getting any royalties for the cat nonsense? Another one, if the school accepts a pupil who identifies as a cat, can I send my actual cat to that school to be educated there as well? If not, why not, says Patty. And two or three of those, um, as we're on the topic... Most who identify as cats are doing it for financial reasons. Cats are exempt from animal licensing, property tax, USC, PRSI. Who's the silly one? That's that? Nice. I know you said to the revenue that you're identifying as a cat. Uh, Neil, if someone presents as a cat, they should stay at home. The school is for humans and not for animals. Now, that's an excellent point. And final one, stop the lights. I truly believe these people who claim to identify as whatever they want are just jumping on a bandwagon. There are two sexes, male and female. If you're gay, you're either male or female. That's different as you're still identifying at least as what you were born with. But these Muppets are in a different league altogether. Cats, dogs, horses. Today I'm identifying as a stressed out, overworked, underpaid mother but can't find a proper title for it. And the problem is parents and teachers are totally afraid of the teens these days. And I imagine there's an amount of teachers actually who don't go along with school philosophy that you should be allowed to identify as a horse. But they're afraid to speak up for fear of the backlash, backlash and cancel culture and what have you. So keep those comments Text 0868104106. Can I just go back to uh, driving licences? Don't, don't even mention the NCT word. So with driving licences, Jim, good morning. Neil, how are you, boy? Um, so, we're d- one of the points there with Ray was uh, the antigen test, but you're saying that a lot of the COVID rules still apply.
0: Well, as far as I know, you still have to wear a mask to, doing your driving test because um, I have a son going out short and he's a bit concerned because he wears glasses you know they'll fog up oh do you um, though you think or you do was he told I, yes. I, I'm i nearly certain you have to okay. unless I'm unless I'm unless does somebody know it, has someone done their test yesterday and did they have to wear it? it's, it's gone okay. and the and mask in the
1: last recent few days or weeks and did you have to wear a mask test go eight, text eight six eight one zero four one six. that's it
8: that's it
0: Um, y- yeah. y- but, but you think how long more are we going to have to live with masks is it well, I mean, the, the, the government said they're gone, so I don't t- think anybody should have to be forced to wear a mask anymore. It should be a choice you now. If you're uncomfortable, I wear it. People, you know, I
1: see people still wearing masks in chemists and pharmacies.
0: I still see them wearing them in the car, and they're on their own. I mean, I think identifying the cat isn't as bad as that. You know,
1: <laughs> why would you have a mask on in your own car?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean even and going back to the trans thing there, I suppose one thing we were thinking there was in a thousand years time when the archaeologists dig up and find the the bodies of the twenty twenty three, they'll either say it's male or female. They won't be saying it's the cat, dog, or 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 trans. Now they, they, they'll tell they you think, what it was. yeah
1: I know. You you they will look at the, the biological makeup of the skeleton and they won't be yeah. saying this person presented as a cat or a dog. <laughs> but they would also say the same of somebody somebody's skeleton if they were transgender, you see. What oh, would
0: they say that they were transgender when
1: they no, took them no, off? No, they, no. I'm saying just from the point of view of you, we we accept that somebody can trans, right? You
0: with me? Oh yeah, but if the makeup we have to fade in a thousand years, you don't, would, you
1: wouldn't no, know. No, no, but, se- but no, that's really
2: but a, 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 a serious point. I have, no, I
0: have no problem with it, Neil. Absolutely not. But, like, but it's it's in everybody's table, and it shouldn't. You know, we're all being forced to. I don't even want to. Talk about but if it's a guy in front of me trans and gay best to look to him but we shouldn't be throwing it down on the kids and there's an awful lot of suicide now with 12 year olds and 18 year olds that are, that are trans are going through that sort of stuff because of the pressure all this is putting on them to identify early uh, become go be, be up on the stage we all want to look at you this leave the kids alone like, it is causing deaths and suicides, and they tell you that themselves. So we're getting it wrong. We shouldn't be doing what we're doing in this world Well, schools. there's one thing to so talk about gender
1: help. identity with regards to someone born male who wants to trans female and live as a woman. Um, that's their own business. We have issues <laughs> oh, with yeah, regards... Absolutely. To, well, except sure, for yeah. changing rooms and, and, and maybe uh, and prisons and what have you. That'll have to be ironed out. But yeah, now, now it's yeah. been hijacked yeah. where, where children are identifying as cats and dogs and horses. Now, surely be yeah. to God, someone's got to get a grip and say... This nonsense has to stop.
0: Well, so listen, it, 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 it's who's who's pushing it? Only people that are in authority. You know, I mean, is it the kids having the mental problems or is it the governing bodies?
1: Well, no, I'm watching this story out of the UK. Even even the Prime Minister there is saying, enough is enough of this. We need to stamp this out. Yeah. This has gone too far. You can't have a child inside in the classroom apparently meowing at the teacher.
0: Think about it. No. Well, we used to have a good looking teacher went to school and we
1: all kind of go wow You said but that was for different reasons, you know. All right, okay, okay, okay. Nice on Jim, as always. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Want to go to Dublin next? Text and WhatsApp
3: 0868104106 Gorks
1: Red FM. Okay, get involved in the conversation. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Just want to quickly go back to the Beaumont Nursing Home issue. Um, Care Choice, of course, uh, the National Treatment Purchase Fund, and indeed the pro. Protests on behalf of family members. They took it all the way to Micheál Martin's constituency office. Michael McGrath's constituency office. They also took it as far as Simon Coveney's constituency office. And now they're gone all the way to Dublin and will protest outside the doll at midday today. A quick call to Paula Garvey, who is with with the protesters in the rally this morning in Dublin. Paula, good morning.
7: Hi, Neil. How are you? On
1: behalf of your mum, Maureen, who is uh, 90 years of age in Beaumont Nursing Home, where are we at with this? Were there talks between Care Choice, the Natural, National Tra- Treatment Purchase Fund, have as Care Choice decided to stay in the Fair Deal scheme? Where are we at?
7: Well, they've decided to stay in for another month at least. Well, the NTPS weren't really negotiating until Patrick Tobin you know, ask the question in the Doyle, and then they started negotiations, but they haven't really progressed very far.
1: OK, so has there been any extra offer to bring them up to what they need, which I believe is 1270 per resident per week?
7: I don't think there has been any extra offer. Not that I know of now, okay. Neil, you okay. know. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, I don't really know much we- about the facts and figures. We're just concerned about my mum.
1: Yeah, we, we know of the disparity in the amounts of money that's being yes. paid to nursing homes, but public and private. The increase right. that they got for Beaumont was sixteen euro per week per resident, but yet those within yeah. the publicly won, run ones got one hundred and thirty-eight euro yeah. per week, grossly under. Or one
7: hundred and eighty-three. I think. I think it was more than that. But yes, yes. Was it one hundred and eighty-three? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Now again. I'm yeah. not too sure about the facts and figures, but well, I
1: do know Beaumont was one thousand and eighty-five per week, per week, and Saint Luke's down the road, a similar private one, is thirteen hundred and sixty-five. Fair deal.
7: Yeah, there's even disparity among the nursing homes in in the Cork okay. region. You know, so yeah. I, I don't understand it. I don't know and, why and that should. So, be.
1: has very little changed then, except for an additional month?
7: Very little has changed. Yeah, that's why we're here.
1: And what about Mihon Martin, Simon Coveney, Michael McGrath? What have they said on the matter?
7: Well, we've just really got generic emails from all the the TVs, you know. Mihon Martin seems to think that, you know, it's in negotiation. And uh, Simon Coveney did come out to speak to us, in fairness. Um, But to my mind, nothing has changed.
1: So 56 Fair Deal residents have an extra month to stay where they live, but it's unknown what happens after that.
7: That's right. And can I just point out that my mum has late-stage dementia. She does. She's in a kind of a locked-down unit in Beaumont. And, you know, the care she received is second to none. And we're so happy. And she's so settled there now. And as you know, anybody with dementia, they find change so difficult. So um, we really are just in the horrors about know, what, what is going to happen. You and know? what
1: will happen if nothing changes and more money isn't offered? Are people scrambling and families scrambling or are Care Choice finding new homes?
7: Um, well, Care Choice have offered to support us the best they can. Uh, the thing is, Neil, there are nursing homes closing down all over the country. I mean, OK, we might find a nursing home for my mom where she'll settle, but six months down the line we could be looking... You know, to rehouse her or rehome her again. So it's not just care choice; it's nursing homes all across the country are are closing down. Oh, and listen, there is also a
1: chance that she could be many, many, many miles from family as well.
7: We could we could end up in Charlottesville, you know, trying to visit my mum. And then, I mean, it's it's just ludicrous the whole situation. Like we we're living in a country with an aging population. What is going to happen to us?
1: You know. Mm. What did Simon Coveney say?
7: Well, he was. He was. He did listen, but um, he just basically said, "You know, it's up to the NTPF, and they don't really get involved." But the government are also trying to make point finger at Care Choice and say, "You know, it's it's mishandling of funds, or it's it's Care Choice, the problem of Care Choice." But it's not just care choice. It's, you know, it's across the nursing
1: home sector. Mm. Oh, I spoke with other owners of nursing homes across the county. This is not anything that's exclusively a problem for Beaumont.
7: Absolutely Um, not.
1: In fact, uh, you know, we spoke to Pat Kennedy there recently from Churchtown, North Cork. He said 90% of the 363 beds are fair deal. Everything is running amok from inflation and everything else. And he's not getting a fair deal either.
7: they're on the same funding as they were in 2009, yeah, I believe. Yeah. You are, th- know?
1: are there many of you in Dublin this morning at the doll?
7: Well, there are 20 representatives from Beaumont, but we're being joined by other representatives from other nursing homes across the country.
1: Yes. Over
7: uh, 100, I believe. what do you hope yeah. to
1: achieve by doing this?
7: Um, we're hoping that Beaumont will be able to... Um, My mum's home forever to live live out her days, you know, in peace where she's been cared for and looked after.
1: And by highlighting your plight at the steps of
4: Dollaran, hopefully somebody will listen.
7: Again, it's not just Beaumont, it's across the sector and it's going to be a countrywide, you know, problem. It is a countrywide problem.
1: You have a midday start, so I'll allow you to get on with it. We may chat again tomorrow or the next few days if there's an update, all right? Thanks very much, Neil. Thanks, Paula. Take care. Paula Garvey on behalf of the residents and families of Beaumont Nursing Home. It continues, lads, and you would think that someone at a senior level in government would get some heads knocked together on this and, and stop saying things like, we have to stay out of this. We can't get involved. You can if it were private industry and if government were run with a private industry mantle about it things would get done an awful lot better because it would either do that or you won't survive as a business. I was talking to Karen earlier on this morning about tonight's get together in Middleton for people to become host families for Ukrainian refugees I was also talking to Remy we've sent an email to uh, Red Barn to the hotel to ask some questions particularly as to whether they are or whether they confirm that they are buying homes in the general area uh, from landlords to put Ukrainian refugees in. That's all very well if you can find somewhere for a Ukrainian to live but unfortunately Remy, his wife and his two children have to get out and are being evicted and are on notice so the Ukrainians can go in and that to me is heartbreaking. So we'll pick up on that conversation and lots more in the morning. Do text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106 especially for this. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to
5: redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.